Welcome to the Exotic Pet Collective. My name is Richard, and today we've got an exciting show. I always say that, but this time I really mean it. Uh, we got a, another YouTuber on from the reptile community. Uh, his channel has just been growing like crazy the past few years, and uh, it's, it's very exciting. But first, I want to thank the sponsor of today's podcast. They're definitely friends of the Exotic Pet Collective. They're also huge supporters of my YouTube channel, the Tarantula Collective, and just all around good people. And I'm talking about tarantulacribs.com. If you want an amazing enclosure to really show off your favorite species of tarantula, I highly suggest you check out tarantulacribs.com. They have high-end acrylic enclosures with magnetic locking doors that are all the rage in the community right now. But they're not just for tarantulas. You can keep true spiders, isopods, or pretty much any pet invert that you may have. They're very popular. They're selling out very quick. But if you go to their website and they have some enclosures in stock, use the code TCollective10 at checkout. It'll get you 10% off your entire order. I use their enclosures a lot. I'm a huge fan of them, and I highly recommend them. We, we did one collaboration together a while ago, so you're probably familiar with them. But I want to welcome to the podcast for the first time, Adam Wickens from Wickens Wicked Reptiles. Welcome to the show, Adam. How, how are you, buddy? Hey, Richard. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Everything's uh, all good over here. How's everything over there? Yeah, it was, we're, we're hanging in there. <laughs> Surviving COVID and lockdown, mm. though. We were just talking. It's, it's apparently not as bad in the U.S. as, as you were uh, having to deal with up there in Canada. Yeah, everything's shut down. I can't even walk into a hardware store right now. Like grocery stores are the only thing and, and pharmacies that are open. So yeah, everything's yeah. shut down here still. <laughs> so who's who's cutting your hair? Uh, see, I got this really great barber. Um, bald yeah. guy, pretty short, loves reptiles, cuts my hair every morning for free. Nice. That is a good hookup. Mm -hmm. I'm actually going to the barber as soon as we're done recording this podcast for the first time in, I don't know, 14, 15 months. I'm pretty excited. Yeah, I think our barbers have been closed. They're open for a little bit, but at least since Boxing Day. Uh, so the day after Christmas yeah. in Canada is Boxing Day. And yeah, they've been closed mm -hmm. since then, at least. So everyone here has oh, wild man. hair, including our premier, which is hilarious. <laughs> he looks like a mob boss with it all slicked back. Yeah. It's hilarious. That is pretty wild. Yeah, I don't even need a haircut because I, I, I do the sim similar thing. <laughs> I just shave my head. But I really want to get my beard trimmed because I'm not very good at that. It's kind of hard sometimes. So it's, it's nice having somebody that will do it make it look nice and that's like the, they, the man version of like trying to cut your bangs as a woman right like you think it's so easy yeah. but like you always just mess it up <laughs> yeah and it's oh it's i've had some some tragic uh instances where i you trim it and it it's, doesn't look even so you you're like okay i gotta shape it up fix it and then before you know it you're just like all right screw it i'm shaving the whole thing off and just starting from scratch yeah i would love to have so, like uh, a big beard one day if i ever hit puberty like uh, you know i think that would probably be one of the things that comes with the added height is like a full beard but until then I'll just have this prepubescent type thing on my face. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, you, you really can't be on YouTube as a male without a shaved head and a beard, it seems. Like, that's kind of the key to what success. you need nowadays. Key yeah. to success. That's right. <laughs> and also, people would stop calling me the reptile Vsauce if I shaved it off completely, right? So, <laughs> got to have that going for me. Yeah. So, so tell me a little bit about your, or not me, I know a lot about your channel, but, but tell the people that are listening that maybe have not come across your channel yet. Uh, like, why did you start making YouTube videos? When did you start? Like, how, how did this journey begin for you? Um, so I created my channel on uh, January 14th, 2019. And the reason I did that is just because I have all these reptiles. I have camera and uh, a guy that I do comedy for. He's a comedy producer. I do a lot of shows with him. And he said to me, he's like, hey, man, like you're in between jobs right now. Like I just finished up at one job and I was uh, starting a new one in like a week. So he's like, well, why don't you know you're doing nothing and it's cold outside. You can't go anywhere. So why don't you start just making videos? And if it goes somewhere, great. If not, then you should. And I just jump into things with both 
both feet. So I did. I created the YouTube channel and the Facebook and the Instagram and all that stuff. And I put out my first video the next day. And I, I put out two videos the next day. And I just kept going. So it was kind of like someone said, hey, you should do this. And I th- said, okay, why not? So if it was never for that conversation, I would never be sitting here. Well, that's awesome. That's pretty cool. So, so you're a stand-up comedian. That's, that's got to be a rough career choice right now in the, the height of COVID. Yeah, there's uh, nothing's been open for a, a long, long while, and Zoom shows just really do not hit the spot like a live audience uh, heckling you. So it's a different thing. <laughs> have you done? I've seen a lot of stand-up comics uh, turn into TikTok uh, that have actually, you know, seems like they they've gone viral and it's done some good things for their career. Have you have you gone down that route at all? Um, I would love to. It's just a time thing, right? Because uh, Vine, when Vine was a thing, I was like 22 or 23, and I um, had a decent following on that. So I kind of thought about doing that but i just i put so much time into this i just really don't have time unfortunately oh, i gotcha so that's uh so so you've you've kind of transitioned i guess through covid from being a stand-up comic to, to making videos um when did you get your first reptile like how, how did that begin uh, i got my first reptile well i guess i got my first amphibian when i was like a little kid i had these uh african clawed frogs i always forget about this and then i got my first reptile from this girl I was working with, she had two bearded dragons. One was a male, one was a female. You know, you know what happens when you, you know, when a uh, daddy and a mommy dragon love each other very much. So then they produce eggs. They need to be separated. And she knew I was looking for a leopard gecko. She said, this is pretty close. And then I got my first bearded dragon and then another one and a leopard gecko. And it just kind of, you know how things go with tarantulas, right? Same sort of thing with reptiles. I feel you. Yeah. I, I just realized I had my fan on. <laughs> I, my air conditioner went out, like the central air went out. Uh, I guess it's almost been a week now and there's going to be another week before they can fix it. So I don't have any air conditioning down here in the basement. <laughs> the tarantulas and the reptiles love it. Uh, me, not so much. So I had this fan blowing on me the entire time and it was like, we're recording a podcast. It's probably very and it's hot too. distracting noise. <laughs> it's, it's hot. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, so you, you've got this YouTube channel and congratulations. You just crossed a hundred thousand subscribers not too long ago. Have you gotten your, your silver play button yet? Uh, no. So you have to wait like 10 days before you can apply for it. So I, I finally uh, redeemed it, I guess. So it'll be here in, uh, two to three weeks, depending on the country you live in. So I live in Canada. So if I might dive old age before I get it, but I'm excited for it to show up. I'm, uh, I'm excited for it to show up, but I did get that little check mark. So I have that little check mark that, I mean, does nothing for you, but it looks cool. It looks really cool. Cool. Yeah. And have you, uh, tried to get verified on Twitter or Instagram or anything like that yet? Right. But still, I mean, you would think like I was having an issue, I guess about a month ago of someone using my logo and mm. pretty much my name, just like misspelling it slightly or something and running scams. That. I'm like, yeah. what the hell? <laughs> you it, it happened on TikTok that. as well. Yeah, you should be able to. I, I figure if you have a, a big enough following on one platform, they all kind of like work together. They always talk to each other. Right. So in terms of like uh, your audience. So you figure you'd be able to get it at a certain number, but yeah, they've been locking me up. Like I'm not big enough, I guess, to be verified on Instagram. Maybe one day. And I also don't think they really kind of take our uh, respective niches, niches, whatever the word is. Uh, they don't they don't take that very seriously compared to like people doing tech reviews or, you know, focusing on photography and stuff like that. 
it's limited. There's never going to be, you know, a reptile channel as big as a Peter McKinnon. Like it's just never going to happen. So I think that's part of it too, is like, well, how big are these guys even going to get? And so, but uh, yeah, it'd be cool. I mean, the blue check mark would look cool next to the gray one, I guess, but you know, maybe one day. One day. Mm -hmm. So when you're, when you're talking about like the type of videos you make, uh, you're focused mainly on reptiles and amphibians and things of that nature. Um, Is there a lot of, I don't. I guess rivalry would be the good word, or is is it more of a community within like the reptile YouTube uh, kind of space? Um, I don't think there's really rivalry at all that I can think of. But maybe I'm just not at that level yet where that happens. But everyone that I and actually the video that I'm doing that comes out on Thursday is about my opinion about your reptile YouTubers, and they're almost all positive. I think the only uh, like infighting i guess is like when you see legitimate animal abuse and that's so rare and most of the time those are like these conglomerates and you don't really know who's behind the channel because there's no face to it it's just so i've never really experienced anything like that i've had nothing but great experiences with other reptile youtubers that's cool yeah i saw that you had posted something um i guess it was on youtube in your community Mm -hmm. tab about uh, at least having this as an idea for uh, an upcoming video and i thought Mm -hmm. that was interesting I just, yeah, I actually just got a message today from someone wanting me to react to some TikTok videos, like make a video reacting to some of these TikTok videos of people mishandling or mistreating tarantulas, like pet tarantulas, and essentially like just bash them. <laughs> I'm like, I, I don't really feel like that's uh, something I want to do. That doesn't seem like a very a positive th- thing to make a video about, making yeah, fun of random like- people. You get a lot of uh, you know clicks on these negative titles, and sometimes you have to kind of go a little bit negative. But I I don't know. I just feel like that's not the brand, not the, like what you should be branding uh, as as like this negative reacts to and like just kind of stomps on people type thing, right? Like it's supposed to be an uplifting thing, you know. These are like animals, so let's all be positive. I I feel that like it, it's very tempting, like you said. I know that it will get views and clicks, but it's also like that's short term. I think mm-hmm. that you might get a lot of views and clicks on that video, but long term it's it's going to sour your brand because that's you're going to be come, become known for that that type of person that's just like shitting and, on everybody else yeah and you're not going to be respected by the community right because that's the thing is like there's a that number your subscriber count matters for sure but also just because you have a big subscriber count doesn't mean that the other big names in your niche are going to want to work with you and at the end of the day you kind of want to be able to do collabs with people and i'm sure that if i was the negative nancy guy you wouldn't have reached out to me to do a collab a few months ago right so you gotta you know be mindful of that too that was a that was a lot of fun doing that collab with you I, i'm still that getting comments fun. from people uh, they're asking when we're going to do the next one. <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, he's coming some, on the podcast. Uh, but I had some kid on my Discord. He's like, hey, uh, I just talked to Richard. Are you guys are doing a podcast? I'm like, how did you even know that? He's like, oh, you guys are my favorite YouTubers. I'm like, that's really cool. That's so cool. So, yeah, and I think he found me through that collaboration with you. So, yeah, it's uh, I love doing networking stuff like that. And that was a really fun one. And I get a lot of like, so when are you guys doing the uh, top 10 uh, Scorpions video? It's like, yeah, well, we could probably figure something like that, too. So, so you've been doing a lot of like top five, top 10 type style videos. Is that, mm-hmm. is that how you started your channel or did it just kind of evolve into that through, you know, just the algorithm and, and seeing how people were responding? Yeah, that, I mean, it was never like that. It was, uh, you know, like I think it was September, 2019 when I did my first one. Um, and I think it was like top five hybrids, which was a good video because like hybrids, it's like a, you know, some people are really for or against. It's kind of controversial. And I just kind of saw that every other channel in different niches, right? Like watch Mojo. The entire thing is, you know, top tens, um, which is a Canadian channel I found out recently. I didn't know that. 
But um, they, uh, so I figured, you know what, it's top five. Everyone knows what they get. When they look at the title, people are going to stick around. They know how long it's going to be once they're at like, hey, and number three, you know, you're almost done the video. It's good for retention. And uh, the idea I had was obviously right and has been proven by other channels. And then it, you know, just kind of evolved. And those are the the videos that do well on this channel. Not my favorite to make, um, but you know, still a lot of fun, I guess, for people to watch. And uh, I love the comments and, hey, you should have put this and you shouldn't have put that. And I discover new animals like that. So overall, uh, I'm happy to have started it, but it wasn't the initial idea for the channel. Yeah, I, it's a similar story with me. I, I, I guess it was about two years ago, I did a top 10 mistakes keeping tarantulas and just kind of like put it out there and then went back to mainly I was focusing on like uh, building enclosures and specific or species specific care. Uh, husbandry stuff like that and that video just like I, mean, I was getting like maybe 10 20 000 views on my typical videos that one jumped up to like three hundred thousand views so i was like well maybe i i should try another video like that and then that one did a couple hundred thousand views i was like so it just slowly over time i very begrudgingly started doing more and more top 10 videos and people are like why you know they'll leave comments like we want to see more care and husbandry and i'm like i hear your words but i can see the analytics and the actions you know, it's like that all the time. a Karen husband review is going to get 5,000 views and the same, like, like, it's actually a lot of times less effort to do a top 10 video, but it gets 10 times the views. It, it, it only makes sense to do that. Try to, trying to break it up a little bit right now, but yeah, I would love to do more, not top five stuff. Cause I get the same thing. Well, the top fives are getting kind of boring. It's like, okay, but I get three comments like that. And then, but if I do a not top five video, it doesn't do well. And I get a lot of comments like, well, you should talk about axolotls or amphibians more, which I would love to because I think they're awesome. But those videos die a slow and terrible death. Like nobody watches them. Uh, there's certain species that it's just you're shooting yourself in the foot. You're putting all this effort into and then the video doesn't perform. And if the video doesn't perform, then, you know, you're at risk for the next one not doing as well because the algorithm and yeah, it's, it's a different thing. You and I get it and people who are on YouTube get it. But and I understand that not everyone understands this. So you just kind of have to like take it and not try to overly explain it to people because unless you're part of it, it's hard to, you know, kind of get. Right. Especially when you're really counting on those views for your income now. Like it's, there's, there's yeah. an added layer of urgency of like, yeah, I want to do stuff like, for me, it's uh, mantis videos and scorpion videos. Like I enjoy making those videos. I enjoy those species a lot, but they get a fraction of the views of anything else. Isopods is another one. Like I spent I don't know, 30 hours making this 10 minute video on isopods and it still hasn't got more than, you know, 10,000 views. I think it's hovering like around seven and people are like, you should make more videos like this. And I'm like, well, nobody's watching it. It, it kind of like takes away that desire to, to spend all that time and effort making a video. No one's going to watch. It is a, a battle between like what you enjoy doing, what you want to do. And then not that I don't enjoy doing the top fives. I do. I like making them and they are to a certain extent, like you said, a little bit less time consuming. Um, unless you just, I had, man, I spent seven hours figuring out Adobe today, trying to figure out how to render this video. And it turned out it was a four second vine clip, like so silly. But anyway, usually they take way less time to, you know, deal with, but yeah, I like making them, but I, at the same time, I wish people would watch me talk about axolotls and frogs and stuff like that too, because those are pretty cool as well. Yeah. So do you cover a lot of the controversial topics in the reptile community in your videos? 
it depends. Like if it makes sense, because you here's like the big secret, my secret sauce. I, I bait you in with something that makes you think that it's going to be a um, very negative video and very juicy and drama. And then I just turn it around and I flip it on you and it's not drama related at all. So I didn't do the video about Kim Kardashian's Bearded Dragon. That's what everyone wanted me to do, but everyone else did it. And I didn't see a way to make it positive because I mean, it was animal abuse, what they were doing. So if it's straight up animal abuse, Kim Kardashian has a bearded dragon. Yeah. It's, she probably had it for five minutes so that she could take pictures of it and then gave it to some kid or something. But it was like, it it had its nails painted and you can tell it was like underfed and had uh, metabolic bone disease and it had like a coat on it. It was just, and they were holding it the way they were holding it. You could tell this dragon was like, just not a dragon would fight to be out of that position. And it wasn't. So there was something wrong with it. And I just didn't see a way <laughs> to make it uh, positive. So I just stayed away from that topic. Yeah, I don't blame you. That's not, like, I get that a lot um, with people putting tarantulas on their faces. You see a lot of models doing that. And a lot of times they're like, they're standing up and the tarantula's like clinging on the side of their face. And it's like, if it falls, that's, that's a good five, six foot drop and it's just going to splat and, and it's gone, you know, or get damaged really, really badly. But you see that a lot on Instagram. A lot of people enjoy putting tarantulas on their face or, or in their mouths. But if you say anything about it, then you're a hater, right? You're a hater. It's like, well, well, this, it got a million views. So obviously it's like, well, I don't care. They got a million views. It's just, it's not good. Like it's dangerous. Don't do that. You know, <laughs> not just dangerous to the tarantula in that case. Like you put a, a new world tarantula in your mouth, you're going to get urticating hairs in your mouth. And that is, that's got to be miserable. I couldn't even imagine what that would feel like. Yeah, I don't know much about tarantulas, but I know enough that those hairs, just from watching your videos, in your throat would probably be a really bad day or week, probably. Yeah, I actually have some in between these fingers. I was uh, feeding my, uh, it was an Acanthoscuria geniculata. It's uh, the Brazilian stripe, white stripe. I don't remember what the hell its common name <laughs> is. Uh, but it's, it's, a, it's a big tarantula with some nasty urticating hairs. And I dropped the crickets in, and for some reason it decided... It really wanted to grab the tongs, uh, even though they were pretty far away. I wasn't like tong feeding it. I just was using the tongs to pick up the crickets and drop them in its enclosure. And it just lunged at the tongs and wrapped them up and was just holding on and just started kicking hairs. And I was like, kind of dropped everything because I was like, I don't want those hairs on me. But somehow some of them floated up, got right in between the the webbing of the fingers. Oh, it's so irritating. So if that was in my mouth, Jesus, I I would just end it. I'd be like, all right, this life is over. I can only like, cause I've had mosquito bites in between my fingers and I, I know how annoying that is. I can only imagine having urticating hairs in between your fingers would be a heck of a lot worse. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, pretty miserable sometimes. And there's really no treatment for it. That's the worst part. It's like, I noticed with you tarantula guys, the, the Latin names are like the scientific names are like a really big thing. Like all of you really, you know, focus on that. And like every video includes them where in the reptile community, like I never even put those in the videos until recently. So why is that? Like, why, why do you think that is that it's like such a important thing with tarantulas and inverts and not with reptiles? I think it's partly because the tarantula hobby isn't nearly as well established uh, and standardized, I guess, as the reptile seems to be. Um, like there's a lot of tarantulas that look extremely similar, you know, like if it wasn't for, you know, DNA testing or really looking, you know, at like counting hairs on the back of their legs and stuff like that, you would just assume they're the same species. Uh, so that, you know, that that's, it's a, the easiest way to kind of differentiate between species that look very similar, but also because I think maybe just there's so many species in the hobby that look similar. Not everybody uses the same common name. So one tarantula could have like four or five different common names, depending on 
what part of the country or what part of the world you bought it from. And a lot of them are very similar, like Mexican red leg, Mexican red knee, Mexican blood leg, Mexican flame knee, Mexican flame leg. You know, it's like those are all completely different tarantulas and they don't even look that similar, but the names are so similar. People get very confused. And then they do stuff like, uh, just, just say starburst baboon. It's like, well, that technically could, could be about 10 different tarantulas. You know, is it a toga starburst or an orange starburst or a pink starburst or, you know, so it, it gets very confusing. So the, really the only way to tell the difference between the two is to just use the scientific name. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I never thought about that. I, I always wondered, but I never knew the answer. Yeah. Newcomers hate it. <laughs> I think everybody is resistant to it at first. Cause you're like, you don't know how to pronounce it. A lot of it's in Latin or, you know, it's somebody's last name and then they change it a little bit. So it sounds like Latin mm-hmm. <laughs> and like they did that with a uh, trapdoor spider. Stephen Colbert really wanted a spider named after him or an animal named after him. And it's, I can, I can't remember the first part of the binomial name, the genus, but the species is Stephen Colberti. So they just put Stephen Colbert together, added an I, and and now it's a scientific name. Like the late night host. That okay. guy. That's correct. Yeah. That guy. Okay. <laughs> All right. They also did it with um, Johnny Cash. There's an Afana Pelma Johnny Cashy. So it's just Johnny Cash with an I, and we pretend it's Latin. <laughs> Interesting. I know there's a sea turtle named after Steve Irwin, but that makes a lot more sense than a late night comic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it. I think it was because David Bowie got uh, a tarantula, or it was a huntsman spider. It's the Heteroscota David Bowie. And that mm-hmm. like made news because, you know, it was right, shortly after he died. They, then they did it with Johnny Cash. And I think Stephen Colbert was covering it on, I think it's when he was still in the Colbert Report and was saying like, you know, these celebrities are getting it. I'm bigger than them. I should, I should get it. Some scientist in California, I guess, was a fan and was like, yeah, I'll do that. I just discovered this species. I'll name it after you. Yeah, interesting. But I don't yeah. know if that's the same in the reptile community, but there are still, like, it seems every year there's four or five, maybe more, 10 or 20 spiders that are just, they've, they've always been there, but they're being discovered and described for the first time. Does that happen a lot in the reptile community or? Not as much. I, yeah. I think the thing is too, like, there's a much bigger difference between similar species a lot of the time with reptiles than there are with inverts. So, um, like there's been a few, like they found a new chameleon species last year. I can't even think of what it, what they called it, but, uh, yeah, very rare. I mean, of course, everyone knows about the crested gecko where we thought they were extinct and then they were refound in 1994. But, um, yeah, you don't really see like every day or every year, you know, several dozen species being found. Not that I know of anyway, if I'm wrong, yeah. I'm sure I'll be corrected in the comment section. That's how YouTube works. But <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. I almost enjoy sometimes making mistakes in my videos just because I know that's really going to give a spike in the engagement. People love pointing out a mistake. <laughs> I, I started misspelling things on a, yeah. a version of the um, thumbnail sometimes. It's so stupid, but it works. Yeah. I'll just misspell a simple word and I'll have like so I can replace it after like the first day so I don't look stupid. But yeah. just so that I can get comments coming in like, hey, you misspelled this and there's an extra comment that you wouldn't have commented otherwise. Yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, my biggest one. Um, I guess the way you properly pronounce the dirt you put in enclosures is substrate. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, just, I don't know if it's my accent or whatever. I always say substrate. Maybe I'm just lazy. I don't know what it is. It doesn't seem like a big difference like to me. <laughs> I never, I, that's just, I always just say substrate. And then I started to get so many comments. I was like, now I'm not even going to change it. It's like, I tried changing it. I was like intentionally was saying substrate. And then people were leaving comments like, why are you, why are you pronouncing it that way now? <laughs> like we like the way you say, were pronouncing uh, it. 
hygrometer. I always pronounce it hydrometer because I thought Mm. that's like when you read it, a G can make a J sound like hydrometer, right? So that's why, and I never realized that I was, I thought people were like, oh, he's saying hydrometer. It sounds really close. I didn't realize I was totally mispronouncing it. So (laughs) now the next sponsorship I'm doing is with a company who sent me hygrometer. So I have to learn how to pronounce it correctly. Yeah, you got to hit that one. (laughs) And that's the, that's one of the benefits, or I guess it's the double-edged sword. It's it's a good and the bad part about using scientific names, especially when you're we're, we're you know speaking Latin. There's you know depending on what part of the world you're on, you have a different understanding of how that word's pronounced. And so there's some words like uh, poker peas. Sometimes I pronounce a poker peas. Sometimes I pronounce a pokripes. I mean that you just it depends on where you kind of put the emphasis, I guess. And people get really up in arms. Like you can't. It's not poker peas. It's pokripes. So then the next video, I say poke ripes, and people are like, it's not poke ripes, it's poker peas. It's like tomato, tomato. Yeah. Who, who here actually is a Latin teacher? That's who I want to talk to. Yeah, I took Latin in high school, and our Latin teacher was a very interesting dude who spoke like eight languages. He was a, yeah. anyone who speaks eight languages has a different brain than normal people. You know, he was a different dude. I would say Mr. so. Monsieur Renault. I remember him. He was awesome. He was a great teacher. Yeah. But the only thing I remember from Latin class is uh, Puella es Insula. The girl is an island. I don't know why that's what I remember, <laughs> but that's what I remember. Yeah. I also took a couple of years of Latin in college, or in high school. But I did it because I thought that would be the easiest foreign language to, to learn. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> looking back, I wish I had taken like Japanese or Spanish or something that would be useful. But it's like... Even when I was in Latin, my Latin teacher was, it was all about writing. She's like, we, it's a dead language. We don't really know how to pronounce this. Like, I'm going to teach you how I pronounce it, but it, it, that doesn't mean it's going to be correct. Uh, yeah, it was like a lot of mythology kind of and stuff that we learned in Latin class, I think. And it was yeah. like, because you have to, so you have to conjugate verbs, we have to decline nouns too. So it was a lot of that. And it's like, it was, yeah, a lot of writing. And we weren't, we weren't really dictating anything. We just learned a lot more about like culture and we watched uh, the Odyssey and like stuff like that. But it <laughs> yeah. helped with French because in Canada, you have to take French. And I took mm. French all throughout, like French immersion. Um, I got kicked out in grade 10 because I was really bad at it. But uh, it did help with French because it's, you know, the Romance languages all stem from Latin. So it makes sense. Yeah, it's very cool. Now, one thing that I don't like, I mean, uh, I guess it's one of the main differences between the reptile and invert hobbies. Um, not just the fact that you guys typically use common names, we use scientific names, um, but there's a lot of people that keep tra- or keep reptiles, start keeping tarantulas. They kind of like migrate into the invert hobby from the reptile hobby. Kind of seems to be like the uh, the gateway pet. <laughs> you get a snake, and then you start learning about uh, scorpions and, and tarantulas and true spiders, and, and kind of move into that arena. But they take the like aspects of of the reptile hobby and try to apply it to the invert hobby like needing to constantly change substrate every couple of weeks or every month using heat pads and and lighting uh stuff that you know tarantulas really don't need the biggest frustration though is people that want to crossbreed different tarantulas to to make up new morphs morphs of of different you know it's like these are completely different species sometimes completely different genuses you can't it's not like like it's not like snakes um especially ball pythons. Like it's, it seems like there's a, a countless number of ball python morphs and it's like, that doesn't really happen in the tarantula hobby. That uh, is the so, exciting part. I think about ball pythons is that you can have the same species, but make it look totally, you can have a whole all white or all black snake or one that is like combination. But yeah, I noticed yeah. that when I, we were doing our collab a few months ago, I was doing some research on like, um, 
uh, morphs and stuff. And it really seems like there's really not that much or any at all that I could find. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are some, but there's like, you know, within a species and it's not really design. It's not like designer morphs, you know, it isn't like intentionally tracking genetics. It's, it's mainly like one species that has evolved in different areas, kind of sequestered from other members of the same species. So, you know, maybe they have a little bit different coloration or something, but uh, avicularia is the main one. They, they they thought they were like six or seven different species of avicularia, and they realized these are actually all just the same species, just different morphs, you know? So you've got like morph one through six of avicularia, avicularia. But it's, I mean, that's just something that happened in nature. It's kind of like with uh, dart frogs. Um, I was talking to, uh, uh, and the guy does the Amphibicast, uh, Dan, mm-hmm. uh, and he was telling me how like a lot of these dart frogs are the same species, but they're completely different colors uh, because they evolved in, in a different area. Essentially, it's very locale dependent. Yeah, there's um, a few things. Like I do that have a question for you as well. Yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, someone left a comment. I wish I had saved the comment so I could call you know shout them out. But they asked my opinion on uh, since we're talking about ball pythons and, and morphs. They were asking about uh, my opinion on. And I might maybe way off here, but spider, spider pythons or something like that. It, what are they talking about? <laughs> uh, so spider ball pythons yeah. is, yeah. So if you want, if you have a reptile channel and you want a bunch of views on a video right away, put spider ball python uh, right next to Brian Bartrack's name in the title and you'll get a bunch of hits. It is the most controversial thing. So basically um, it is, there's a neurological disorder with spider ball pythons that makes them wobble. And the thing is, even if your spider, cause I have one and uh, he doesn't have a wobble at all, but that doesn't mean that if he um, breeds and the offspring turn out to be spiders, which half of them will uh, on average, those might have wobbles, even though he doesn't. And it's the same thing with jaguar carpet pythons, same sort of thing. So it's very controversial because you are intentionally breeding something that actually has a neurological disorder. And there's like a big infight mm-hmm. in the community. I'm one of those guys that doesn't have, you know, Kevin McCurley and Brian Barchuk are saying it's okay. Those guys have been doing it for longer than I've been alive. So who am okay. I to argue? And then there's the guys like Go Herping who are like super against it. So I sit somewhere in the middle. I'm not a scientist. I don't breed ball, uh, spider ball pythons. I decided not to because it's just on the safe side. Um, but who am I to say that you shouldn't be able to do that? Now, as an invert keeper, just the name spider ball python sounds very attractive to me. <laughs> I'm like, a, it sounds amazing. like a very cool thing to have. But mm-hmm. what make like why are they referred to as spiders? Uh, they look like a spider web. So originally when they're brought oh, in, okay. uh, they were called spider web ball pythons. And I forget who, I think it was Kevin McCurley. I could be wrong, but whoever brought them in, that's what they called them. And they look amazing. Like whatever you put them into, they look insane. And last year I bred one of my females who I got with a spider. That's how I got them. And I decided mm-hmm. not to breed him. I bred her to a different male, but she retained sperm from the year before. So she put out a clutch and there, half of them were combinations of spider. And the ones that had the three genes, uh, five orange dream and spider looked unbelievably amazing they are the coolest looking snake i've ever produced but yeah. i'll never get more because i will never produce <laughs> more spiders so it's kind of like gotcha. it sucks but at the same time it's like i just want to do what's best for the animal not what's the best for my uh, my wallet in this case i understand now when you say wobble does that just mean like their their head kind of like bounces up and down or or Could side to side yeah, yeah sometimes they corkscrew sometimes they'll bite themselves like it can oh, be um, it's like a, a spectrum 
right? So it's like, say, an autism okay. spectrum where some people are high functioning. You'd never know. Elon Musk, no one ever knew until he came out with it. And then there's certain people where they're not functioning. You, like, you'll know. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like the same thing. Maybe that's a bad example. I don't like mean to be offensive, but it is like a spectrum. That's <laughs> what I'm trying to say here, right? Is right. So sometimes it's like they, can, they can't even manage, you know, to be alive. And other times there's no wobble whatsoever. Is that similar to, I, I just heard this term when I was doing some research for my ball python. They were talking about stargazing. Is that, has, does that have anything to do with anything that we're talking um, about? I've heard that term before, like I, I, but I've heard it in different ways. So I guess kind yeah. of like that. I mean, if I had to describe what the wobble is, is it's, um, you'll know what to see it. Like, it's just very kind of weird. And like the corkscrewing is where it's really sad, where like you see they're like, mm. they don't know which way's up or which way's down. Um, it's kind of like if you were in a helicopter in the clouds and you know, you don't know, you have to look at your gauges to figure out where you are. Uh, they don't have gauges to look at, so they have no idea what's going on. Gotcha. I have a um, a banana calico ball python. Okay. Uh, is is there any neurological issues that you know of with that species? No. Uh, calicos are wicked. They have that cool like white on the sides, and bananas are like. I'm trying to like turn it into my specialty and like get them into everything because I had mm-hmm. a banana and I produced a bunch and I kept them all back, and it turned out to be a female maker because I got all females. Um, banana is really weird. It's uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be the greatest at like explaining it, but there are male makers and female makers. So there are certain okay. bananas that only produce males and certain that only produce females. And I think it's an allelic thing. Clint's reptiles did a great video on it. I'm too dumb to explain it properly, but um, <laughs> it's very unique. But there is no neurological issue with either of those, and uh, you could breed that to whatever the heck you want as long yeah. as it's not a spider. No one's gonna come down on you on YouTube. So you're just, what you're saying is that my banana calico is just dumb he's just an idiot <laughs> oh does he do that does he like do the the wobbly thing he doesn't do the wobble he just uh he just doesn't seem very bright and a lot of times when he'll strike he misses uh <laughs> and he gets confused by reflections in the glass like he'll think the mouse is actually the reflection not what i'm dangling in front of him so yeah ball know. pythons are not known for their intelligence i mean if you want an intelligent <laughs> snake there's lots out there reticulated pythons things like that if you want you know a 20 foot snake but in terms of yeah, uh Ball pythons are not. There, there's no Mensa <laughs> ball pythons. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I mean, I, I enjoy him. He's he's fun. It's the only snake that's bit me. And it it wasn't intentional. Like he just I, I it was my fault, really. I it was I thought he was down in his like little, you know, burrow, uh, mm-hmm. hiding out under his little uh, retreat thing. But he was actually up in like the top of top corner of the enclosure. Kind of I had some like uh, cork bark and and you know different branches up there. He was just kind of chilling up there. So I brought in the mouse and pretty much just put it right by his mouth and continued to move it down towards his hide. And he got excited and struck. But by the time he struck where the mouse was, that is then where my hand was. So he just latched right on the side of my hand. Yeah. <laughs> was, that's uh, what I try to explain to people too, is like, if you ever get a food bite, it's almost always your fault. Not always, mm-hmm. but in that case, like that's a great example of, you know, how that works. And that's why people make fun of me. Cause I use, I'll use a hook to like you know, take the tub out or to un, like to uh, bring down the glass par- portion and I'll use really long forceps. Um, I just getting like, you know, getting a food bite kind of sucks. It's not fun. Yeah. Uh, he was not happy either. <laughs> yeah. no. And that's, no. that's another thing. Like if he, it's almost like he gets embarrassed. I don't know. I'm, I'm probably anamorphosizing <laughs> him, but if he strikes and he misses, he's just like, Oh, that's it. 
fuck this. I'm, I'm going back into my hide. <laughs> I'm not even going to eat today. Yeah. Like, I got on, a few buddy. like that too. I got a Burmese python like that. She's like pretty small now. She's growing pretty good, but uh, yeah. yeah, she'll strike once. And if she misses, that's it. That's the party's <laughs> over. Come back tomorrow. It doesn't matter. Bring me a different rat, warm it up, do whatever you want. It doesn't matter. Silver platter. I want nothing to do with it. Yeah. I'll see you again tomorrow. That's it. <laughs> yep. And then I've got, I got a California King and an Eastern King snake. And I, those are, I really enjoy those. I was, I didn't want to get them. They were my wife. She, she really wanted a King snake. That's just something she's into. And, uh, we found one at a reptile expo, had all the enclosure and everything we needed kind of pretty much just sitting around the house. So I was like, sure. And it was, it was a situation. I kind of felt like I was talking to my son, like a kid. I was like, you can get it, but you got to take care of it. <laughs> Knowing full and well, I'm going to get stuck taking care of this snake. <laughs> So California, so what made, what made her, I guess it was her choice. What made her choose California King snake? Uh, like, cause there's a million that you could choose from. That's not even one of the, it's kind of common, but not super common. What made her choose yeah. that? Well, initially I, I think it was just as a child, she really liked the, that snake. So I guess she knew somebody that had one. Um, mm-hmm. we, and we couldn't find one initially at the, at the expo. They were saying that for whatever reason, the King snakes were extremely common and, and a snake that would have sold five years ago for like 50 or 60 bucks. They're now asking like $200 for, um, and then we just happened to come across some guy that had an Eastern King snake and they had a male and a female, but the male had some like serious, uh, scale rot. I think that's what they call it. Mm. Is that, is that it? Is that the right term? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. You shouldn't be bringing animals like that to expos, but yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, and and we were just like, and he, he was trying to convince us that we'll just put some neosporin on it and, and, you know, do this and he'll be fine in a few months. And I was like, I re- that just sounds like a lot of work. Uh, I'm, I'm not trying to take on that. So we just got the female. She was fine. And uh, then like the next expo we went to, somebody had a California King. And they, to me, they look very similar. It's like the female is the Eastern, the male is the Cali. And, and I mean, they're both just kind of black and white striped <laughs> snakes, but. Yeah, if yeah I don't know why she you, attached uh, to him. You just got to put some neosporin on it and call it it. Well, if it was that easy, then you would have done that before you came here. So you, you wouldn't yeah. have a scale rot. But that's a pretty common thing, actually, um, for snakes to be like, oh, it's 50 bucks. And then in three years, hognose snakes. I bought my first hognose snake for, I think it was 100 bucks. You'll mm-hmm. never buy a hognose snake for 100 bucks now. And uh, Mexican black king snakes, that's the big, they, they used to be called uh, the poor man's indigo snake. And to a certain yeah. extent, they kind of are. But they used to be throwaway, like 20 bucks at expos just to get rid of them. And then now I saw one on Kijiji, like that's our version of Craigslist in Canada. It was yeah. uh, 1100 bucks for a pair. So wow, crazy yeah. expensive. Now. And Dumerals boas is another thing. Oh, by the way, I don't know if you read the comments of one of my videos, but I'm a Dumerals boa shell. So apparently I make a certain percentage off of the increase in Dumerals boas price. And it's because of me. <laughs> that's coming up. So anyway, the tinfoil shell. had it wrong with that one. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's funny. I, I've been called a lot of things, but not a shill yet, <laughs> for, at least for a specific species. This guy was all in. This was a long thread. He, it took it from YouTube and I removed his comments. So he took it to a Facebook group. Oh, and wow. It's like, yeah, you don't even know what you're perpetuating. <laughs> you're the reason that the price of these are going up there. Blah, 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 blah. It's the same people that complain about housing prices going up too. like, don't understand like the supply and demand yeah. thing. So, but yeah, yeah. It was I try to cover that a lot on my on my videos and podcasts just i just i don't know if it's just people don't understand what a free market is and how it works but a lot of people seem to think that you know that uh there's like this conspiracy between all the tarantula breeders and dealers to have some species be extremely expensive just so they can you know 
essentially just cash out and they're just money hungry, greedy people. And it's like, no, that's, that's, that's not it. <laughs> they probably paid a lot just to get it because there's not very many available. So if you want an extremely rare new species, you're, you're going to pay top dollar for it. It's not Any a commodity conspiracy. Is like that. Not like, <laughs> yeah. cause it's like that with animal with uh, reptiles too, but, or I live in one of the hottest housing markets in Canada, like right down the, yeah. uh, down the road here. It's like the third most expensive place in North America to live. And it used to be kind of like the shithole of Toronto. They called it Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, so it just kind of, it changes and people just don't understand like free market and how it works. But I think that's very, like a very small percentage. Most people get it. It just kind of amuses me when I see like these, they're so convinced. And it's like, man, I'm, I'm a nobody. I'm a guy with a camera. Like you think I'm changing the market of this specific type of snake that's been around <laughs> yeah. forever. Like, come on, I'm way too stupid to even figure that out. I've been trying for like a year to get a tarantula dealer to just to set up an affiliate link. Like, especially when I was making the species specific videos. Like I know that, <laughs> Because I, I see all the comments, people are like, oh, I'm going to go to this business and buy this. And I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, just give me like 5% of the sales I throw and I'll mention your business and, and leave yeah. a link. Well, you Drive just hooked up sales. with one, right? I, I watched one of your videos recently. You just hooked up with one in Mexico or something, right? Uh, that's micro wilderness. Yeah. But that's more of a, um, like he will pay me to, to for like to, for an integrated ad in the video. Oh, so it's like and, a sponsor. Okay, got it, got it. Yeah. And then he has a code, but I think the code is more just to kind of track how many people actually saw the ad to depend on, you know, so he can decide if he wants to run an ad next month. <laughs> if nobody's oh, using it. the code, then he's going to be like, okay, that that's ad revenue that, you know, that's money on marketing. That's not, you know, getting utilized correctly, I guess. That was something, yeah. you know, they, they say that when it comes to marketing, half of the money that you spend um, is worthless. Like it's not doing anything, but you never know which half of that money is, is, you know, not really making a difference in your sales. So I think that's just kind of his attempt to track, you know, who's getting sent from my videos or my channels to his, uh, his business. Yeah. You still be nice. in ads for a living. I can attest to that. Half, half your money is like, no one's really seeing it. So yeah, <laughs> but it'd be cool. I, I would like to have some kind of affiliate link. <laughs> So I've never uh, seen anything like that before because usually with guys on YouTube, they breed and then they sell and they use their channel to promote, mm-hmm. right? Like, it, especially with reptiles, you see that all the time. And uh, I've never seen anyone with an affiliate link or like a sponsorship for another breeder or distributor. I've never seen that before. It's very, it's an interesting thing. I bet you that would work with reptiles too. Yeah. I mean, you see it with like uh, Epidemic Sounds or uh, mm-hmm. Artlist.io, uh, Storyblocks, Squarespace. Uh, I mean, even like the guys that do cameras, you know, uh, tech reviews and stuff like that, they always have an affiliate link where they're getting a cut of those percentage, you know, of subscriptions yeah. or sales of cameras and lenses. And it's like, I I've mean, seen uh, that like ad integrations yeah. and stuff, but I've never seen like a breeder pay for someone to say, Hey, you know, like this person sells ball Python, like whatever. Right. I've mm-hmm. never seen anything like that. That's very interesting. But yeah. uh, there's actually one business I know of, uh, here in the U S it's CB reptiles. They're based out of, um, uh, New Jersey, I think. Yeah. It's all like, you know, captive bred mainly. I think if I'm remembering, it's mainly like geckos and ball pythons and maybe some chameleons. Uh, but they actually have an affiliate program. So you just kind of, you go on their website and you give them, you know, your, I, I think I just gave them my YouTube and Instagram and filled out some information and then they approve you or decline. And they approved me. And I was really excited because you essentially get like 10% of any sales that uh, go to their website using your link. The issue is I don't make any videos about reptiles, so it's it's a uh, interesting. It's kind of right. difficult. That's something I'll write down and go look at for sure. Yeah, but, uh, definitely check it out. Hmm. I, I mean, I've, I made a hundred dollars off of it. I guess somebody 
I didn't mention it or anything. I guess somebody was just in my description and saw the link and clicked on it and, you know, bought a couple of uh, leopard geckos or something. So I got, I got a little commission from that, which is appreciative. But yeah, if, if I was doing reptiles like you, I, I would definitely check that out. And they seem, I mean, all the reviews seem like they're, they're a very good business. It's very underrated just to like for creators, like just to throw a link down there, even if you don't talk about it in the video, you'd be kind of surprised. Mm-hmm. Like the Amazon mm-hmm. links, they've been pretty good and I never talk about them at all. And in fact, because you, if you like try to, uh, if you put an Amazon link to a certain product, that company might reach out to you and say, Hey, do you want an actual sponsorship? So it's something very underrated. If uh, there's any creators watching, like don't sleep on Amazon uh, affiliate links or for other companies as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and occasionally I'll like send out emails like, Hey, I'm making the video on this. I'm going to be using your product. Would you like to you know get involved? I did that with Zoomed and they ended up sending me a huge box full of just different, like a whole uh, bioactive waterfall kit and some fake plants and cork barks and stuff like that, which was very kind of them. Um, but I haven't got to, to the better. level where they're, they're sponsoring their <laughs> videos. <clears throat> Yeah, I'm trying to get better at doing stuff like that. Like I, I uh, just did my first like actual sponsorship ad integration for like a clothing company, which I realized after it's like I sell clothes and I'm advertising for this other clothes, like whatever. But they were great, and I and yeah. I loved working with them. And then I've got two coming up next month. But to reach out to more companies and like be more proactive about it would be something that I should do more of for sure. Yeah, especially. I mean, so you're doing this full time, right? Like this is uh, pretty much your main source of of income. Yeah, this is it. This is uh, yeah. this is what I do. I I quit my job in November, and uh, ever since, and there's no you know comedy money. No one's paying me to go to their closed down club, and you know where there's no one allowed in. So this yeah. is it. Yeah, I mean, finding ways to to I don't know, just kind of diversify income when you're a creator is is seemingly difficult, especially in in this niche, like what we're doing. You know, it's not like uh, it it appeals to millions and millions of people. Uh, from all different, you know, it's, they really got to be into reptiles or really into inverts to, to want to watch this stuff. But I also think on the other side, it's extremely beneficial for the businesses. Uh, Cause I see these people that like tarantula dealers, they'll spend thousands of dollars a month, uh, you know, sending it to Google and Facebook to run ads, you know, uh, so, so, you know, they're, they get ads in front of people scrolling through Facebook or Instagram. And it's like, you know, you don't, yeah, you're getting some, some uh, like analytics, but those are annoying ads that people just, you know, fly through with their thumbs. You know, they're just, they're just, uh, you know, flipping right through that. But if you run an ad in a YouTube video, you know that like probably 90% of the people watching that video are potential customers. They're people that really want tarantulas or reptiles and they're going to spend money on it. So, you know, kind of having that ad in there seems like a much more direct and you know, better return on investment than, you know, just paying Google. It's like, I'm so I'm the personality of my channel. So if I'm reading mm-hmm. the ad, you're here because you like the personality, obviously. So you'll more likely listen to me than if it was an ad break and then it's someone else who you've never seen before reading the ad, right? Like a commercial. And yeah. you see it with podcasts all the time. And that's why I think Bill Burr does so well. I listen to his podcast religiously, Monday Morning Podcast. And my favorite part of his podcast is the ads because he makes them funny. Sure, yeah. he loses a lot, right? Like the Sherry's Berries thing was the funniest thing ever. <laughs> so he'll lose them. But the ones who yeah. stick around, like MeUndies has a whole song now. The only reason I'm wearing MeUndies is because of that podcast and that stupid song. So I think that more creators <laughs> will catch on to that. But that's what I'm trying to do with uh, the ad integrations that I've got now. And hopefully other companies see it. And because uh, Man, I would love for 
creators like us to be able to make like legitimate money, like real money from uh, advertisers because mm-hmm. they see our value. So, you know, I don't yeah. know how long it's going to take for that to happen, but uh, it's kind of an exciting thing that might, you know, materialize. Yeah. And I, it, it probably sounds like I'm complaining, but there's actually been a lot of progress, at least in, you know, in our kind of uh, realm like tarantula cribs uh they're, they're sponsoring this podcast they sponsor a lot like pretty much all the podcasts and some videos and you know they're, they're but they get it you know what i mean like they're all their marketing is online you know they have a website they don't have a storefront you know they're, they're not shipping globally yet it's all just like u.s based and i think they're finally starting to get into some international shipping but their business has grown just by running ads on my channel and uh, tarantula cat and i think aquarimax and a few other channels like they get and appreciate, you know, the the return on investment from advertising on YouTube and Instagram through creators. Uh, and you'll see a, that more. Like I, I worked yeah. in advertising just as, as recently as a few years ago. And to see the transition, like the company I was working for, their bread and butter was this magazine for the Niagara Falls Tourist District. And that magazine no longer exists. That was only two years ago that that was their cash cow. And now it doesn't yeah. even exist. And all they do is program programmatic advertising and like geofencing and all this, you know, newer stuff and then even running ads on YouTube videos. So I think it that is the transition. So now I think is like a really good time to be a creator because I think we're really going to start seeing that in podcasters. It's the same way being this being a podcast, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, it's an exciting time and you know, the world is changing and especially with the, the way that you get advertisements because you're always going to get them. It's just a matter of how sneaky they can get them into you. So you don't even realize that you're being advertised to. Yeah, that's very true. Like a, a micro wilderness. They're a, uh, I think they sponsored last week's video uh, based out of California. And he's a young guy, you know, and, and he gets it. So I think it, it's an age thing. I think it's the people that are, I'm not saying that they're old, but, <laughs> you know, they, they just, they don't, they still think you got to like have an ad in a newspaper or a magazine or, you know, on Facebook or, you know, that, they they trust Google or Instagram to to run their ad, <laughs> not so much a creator. But I mean, I, I definitely agree. There, there's a shift that's going on. So hopefully that'll and that's that kind of leads into the next topic I was wanting to talk about. Is it it seems like a lot of the controversy that I get, and it kind of touches on something we were talking about a little bit ago. It's not so much that like the, the guy that was talking about those um, how you're a shill for that one species of of snake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's a. Uh, I get a lot of uh, I don't know, flack, I guess, is the only way to describe it, from people that they've been in this, at least the tarantula and invert hobby for you know many years or decades, and they don't like people like me and some of these other uh, YouTube creators uh, or just you know other content creators and on other venues because we're attracting more people to the hobby. They want to keep it small so the prices are low. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, there's not a lot of competition and. Uh, they, they resent the fact that you're trying to, you know, like, like one of my goals is to try and build the hobby and get it out, you know, in front of the eyes of a lot of, you know, different people that may not have ever considered keeping a tarantula as a pet or even knew that people kept inverts as pets. So like trying to get my content in front of their eyes so that they can, you know, just be exposed to, to this hobby really upsets them. (laughs) Do you have that going on at all in the reptile community? Uh, yeah. So I've created a term for them. I call them cage Karens. Um, okay. basically anyone who is negative for any reason that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. And I think that what you're trying to explain here is, uh, I'm old and I've been doing this forever and I want nothing to change. If the world never changed, it'd be a better place. And I, I'm completely disagree with this. I'm on, you know, the same wave wavelength as you, where you should be able to get, in my case, uh, reptiles, especially snakes, 
in the eyes of everybody. The reason that yeah. I am not afraid of snakes, even though my parents were, my mom's terrified. She doesn't even go in my basement because she knows there's snakes <laughs> down there is because when I was a little kid, Mr. and Mrs. Corvino came in and did a reptile show and I held a ball python when I was like four or five years old. So I knew right from the get-go. And if we as educators and entertainers on this platform can do more of that, then we're doing the world a service, in my opinion. So there's a lot of negativity amongst the breeders. And you know what else I think it is too? I think it's a lot of, I've been doing this, I'm 60 years old and I've been doing this for 40 years before you were born and I might know more than you, but I don't have a platform and I'm jealous. It's not a popular yeah. opinion. I don't care. I think it's a lot of jealousy <laughs> because they might know more than me, but they don't have the means to get their knowledge out. And instead of saying, hey, dude, hey, young gun, I, I hear what you're saying and you have a platform. Can I maybe give you this advice or tell you this thing? Instead, they attack because you know it's like a, a jealousy thing. So mm-hmm. I think that's what it is. Uh, but I, I totally agree with you that we need not do that and we need to spread more awareness rather than trying to keep it like this small little circle yeah i actually had um and it's funny because i think some people that you know criticize creators forget that we are actually people maybe (laughs) that we're on social media and we read their comments just because we don't you know defend ourselves you know uh, below them like and when replies doesn't mean we don't read them so like i I see what a lot of people say and one of the biggest criticism uh that i've been getting at least my channel has lately is that it's gone hollywood like I'm focused more on uh, the editing and the video quality than I am the tarantula or so or whatever. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's the point though. <laughs> like every, there's, there's attention. <laughs> yeah. There's dozens of channels out there that are just handheld cell phone footage, mm-hmm. you know, just stream of thought, just kind of filming as they're doing whatever they're doing and talking about it. Like I, that's, that's what I'm trying to do is, is create something that's very polished and edited nicely and looks professional because that's, that's what I enjoy watching a lot. I mean, I enjoy the the more basic uh, raw channels as well. But mm-hmm. what I, like when I just go to YouTube to watch something, it's something like Peter McKinnon or something that where somebody put a lot of effort into editing and making something look really beautiful, even if it's something as dumb as making a cup of coffee. You know, yeah. like, I appreciate that. Perfect example. And uh, I think that production value matters. And there's, I get a lot of questions from, I'm sure you do too, from people, hey, I want to start a channel. What do you recommend? And I always recommend you have to get good at editing because people don't watch, okay, so uh, here's my ball python and here's my kinks. No one watches that anymore. I used to watch channels like that, but there are too many good channels. There's too much competition and no one's going to watch your point and shoot videos anymore. You have to get good at editing. You have to have good production value and one of the things that just helped me more than anything else in youtube is you telling me how to fix my audio just i think i asked more than anything else but it was just like that one thing made a difference and the next video bro did you get a new camp did you get a new microphone what do you and it's just like this 40 dollar preset that you know hey richard how did you do this you told me and then i fixed a thing and it it really helped the channel so i think the production value matters and most people don't really realize it yeah. And that's because it's the the hard part of like, any, you know, it's, it's easy to, to just film something and talk about it and then just upload that file onto YouTube and be like, Hey, I'm a YouTuber. But mm-hmm. you know, w- when you actually take the time to do the boring stuff, like learning how to edit and do transitions and plan out a video, like, man, that's, that's something that I just, you know, maybe the past six months have really started. Fo- Cause I was just like, I'll just film a whole bunch of footage and then kind of write an outline or write a script and then try and mesh those two together. But now it's like I'm writing out the script or, you know, at least an outline of what I'm trying to say. And then I try to like, almost like I, I, I'm doing a cartoon or um, 
like a, an actual like feature length film. I'm like making notes and kind of sketching out what shots I want, you know. So it it, it saves time on yeah, exactly storyboarding. <laughs> I'm that that's how unprofessional I am. I didn't even <laughs> know hey that I was the term. I just know the phrase because I took a drama class in high school. So I, yeah. like, uh, yeah, I've tried like to, tr- to really, you know, like what you're doing now, obviously it shows in your videos, your videos are unreal. Um, I've tried to do that as well. I just found it like too tedious. And I know that you have to do tedious things in order to have, but, uh, at the same time, even though this is like my bread and butter and how I make a living, I still want it to be fun. And, uh, I find that yeah. there's gotta be a balance of, um, you know, not scripted and kind of off the cuff and being a comedian. I think that I understand that a lot better than maybe some other, you know, people who are trying to get into this, or maybe mm-hmm. it's just that I have experience doing it. So if I take away that portion, it detracts from the videos where certain people need to write it completely. And there's other people who don't write anything at all and they have monster channels. So I think yeah. it's like, there's no right way to do it. And it's just kind of interesting that like that's the way you do it and your videos are amazing. And I tried to do it and it took away from my videos. So it just, uh, yeah, yeah, everyone has like a different method, I think. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've got like two different style of videos that I do. Uh, one of them is just a kind of new one that I'm doing, more of a nature documentary kind of style. And those are completely scripted. Like I write the script and then I revise it and then I, I revise it again. And I really try to get it uh, honed down to as, as, I don't know, as professional sounding as possible. But then pretty much like like the top 10 videos and stuff, that's just a script. Or not a script, uh, an outline. It's like, this is what the video is about. These are the tarantulas. Here's a few facts about each one. And then I just kind of riff off that. Um, but I just, it, when it comes to editing and sound engineering, like that's some of the most time consuming and boring aspects of making YouTube. But it's it also is, it's got the best return on investment, you know, like finally that's breaking down and being like, I got to, you know, a video it's 50% audio, 50% visual. So it's like, I got to focus on the audio some if I really, cause that, that's what, that was what was missing. Like when I would rewatch my videos, I'm like, why is this video not as professional looking or is not as, as much of a, an entertaining experience as when I'm watching like potato jet or something, you know, somebody like that, mm-hmm. like what? And then I've realized like, it's my audio. Like uh, I got too much echo and just sounds crappy. So I really need to kind of, you know, work on that. And, uh, that, that, I think that really, you know, like you were saying, that, that can really kind of push you over into another level of, of being a creator, I guess. Sometimes you don't even notice it. The only reason I noticed that my audio was lacking is because we did a video together. So I was taking stuff that you made and putting it in my timeline. And it's yeah. like, why does this guy sound so much better? That I understand that you actually went through puberty and your voice changed. But besides <laughs> that, uh, it was like a night and day difference. So then when I figured out how to fix it, then all my videos went up in production. So it's a lot of like figuring it out. And sometimes it you don't really notice it until someone points it out or mm-hmm. you point it out to yourself because something changes and you do a collaboration or whatever else. That's true. Yeah. And I'm it's sure like you'll hit puberty And sooner. there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes. And I think you're like alluding to that where everyone thinks like, okay, this is the production, but you don't realize that I just spent three hours tinkering with the beginning of this, which you only saw for seven seconds. Or <laughs> in my case, the last two days, seven hours trying to figure oh, out why I couldn't render a video. And it was like a stupid vine clip. You know, yeah. I was, you know, making fun of Brian Cusco and I was trying to put a vine in there <laughs> to like, and, it, and now it's like the joke is missing now because I, yeah. I could make the clip work. So it's just a lot of stuff behind the scenes that people don't uh, really see. It's everything is like that though. Every, yeah. Sports are like that and racing or, you know, bodybuilding. That's what I did before comedy. Even it's a lot of like, yeah, everything that happens behind the <laughs> scenes is what makes it big and people don't realize it. 
Do you watch uh, Futurama? Did you get into that show at all? Back in the day, yeah. Back in the day. Yeah. But it's been all. It reminds time. me of, uh, there, there, there was a, I can't remember. There was, uh, what was it? There were, for some reason, Fry was writing a script for Single Lawyer Lady or whatever the name of that show was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and th- they start filming it or like, you know, recording it or whatever. And he only had a couple of pages. And they're like, why did this is a 30 minute show? He's like, well, it, it took me 30 minutes to write. I figured it'd take me 30 minutes to read. <laughs> and I think that's, uh, that's the mentality a lot of people have when they're watching YouTube. It's like, oh, it, it, it was only 10 minutes long. It probably only took him about 10 minutes to create it. And it's like, no, such a be like example. 10 or 20 hours. <laughs> like such I just, uh, example. uploaded a 30 second intro to a video I'm working on. That's going to be a few more weeks before it's over. And I, I just shared it to like my Patreon supporters and YouTube channel members. And it's, you know, it's literally 30 seconds, but I spent all day yesterday on that. <laughs> it's like, you know, they're frustrated. Like, we want to see more. And I'm like, that's a day's worth of work right there. Come on. <laughs> or even like transitions or if you do like a set, like a uh, graphics, like if you make your own yeah. graphic rather than downloading a pack, mm-hmm. uh, man, sometimes it takes like three hours for a three second little thing that just, it just adds a little bit more. But people mm-hmm. think, ah, I just you threw it on the time. That was it. Right. So, yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a weird thing, but everything is like that. Like, you know, we're kind of, it sounds yeah. like complaining. We're not, but everything is like that. Everyone thinks, oh, if you're a race car driver, you just, you know, slip in a seat and you turn the wheel. And it's like, well, I don't think that's, you know, I think that we would all be doing it if that if it was that easy, you know? Yeah. Or, if, you know, stand-up comedians, they just uh, get up on stage and talk into a mic for five minutes. Yeah. Well, that's, that's <laughs> what I get all the time. It's like, well, how hard can it be? The, the funniest one to me was uh, I was a national level bodybuilder and the, like 2014, 15, 16. And um, people, oh, well, you just, you know, go and lift weights and uh, then you just stand up there. It's like, yeah, no, that's it. That's all we do. We just go lift weights for an hour. And that's yeah. why uh, I look so much better than you, who does the exact same thing. It has nothing to do with your <laughs> diet and learning how to pose properly and starving yourself and water retention and fixing your sodium and your potassium levels. Nothing to do with that. Yeah. You just go lift some heavy stuff and uh, you step on stage at the end of the year. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> My wife uh, insisted, this is probably like three years ago. Um, Oh man, maybe longer than that. I think it was before we actually got married. Like we were just dating, but we had, we were engaged and had the date set. She's like, we need to get into the gym and get into better shape. I was like, all right. So she got me, uh, like we got a, uh, what do they call it? A membership to the Y, but there was a, an employee there that did personal training. So she got me like a couple of months sessions with him and he was a bodybuilder, still is a bodybuilder. And I mean, I'm talking like, where's the speedos and gets on stage and waxes his body. And mm-hmm. covers it and all that oil stuff and is flexing. And he, he essentially was like, We're gonna, you're gonna do what I do. And that was insane. Like, it wasn't so much the workouts, like, that was hard. It was the diet that he wanted me to, to go on. I'm like, I can't do this anymore, man. This is, this is driving me insane. Like, the, yeah, chicken, tuna, and like, rice, and broccoli. <laughs> at the end of the day, if you want like a beach body or you want a national level bodybuilder body, you're doing the same thing at a different level. Even those Abercrombie and Fitch models that were like a big thing in the 2000s and mm-hmm. they look like, oh, well, I could do that. It's like, well, first of all, no, you can't because the diet's crazy and all those guys are also on steroids. So I know that it looks attainable, but it's not. <laughs> to get that shredded, you have to, it's just... So it's a different, uh, it's a different thing, but yeah, your, your personal trainer have been there, done that getting into it. And it's like, yeah, so I just lift, uh, yeah. So anyway, you eat chicken 17 times a day and whatever your favorite food is, you're not going to see that for four months. And then we'll talk about you getting on the stage. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, I don't want to be, I don't want to look like you. Like that's too cut. <laughs> like, I, yeah, it's I, like, you just want to look like a, I just uh, beach. Be I take my shirt off at the beach and feel cool with it. And it's like, it's yeah. still a lot of work to do that. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, I don't even do that. I, I got my pay, my skin is way too pale to go to the beach, man. I feel <laughs> I don't you. Take man. my I shirt off you. at the beach. Yeah, it's like I'm a I wear blank. long I'm sleeves at the beach. People's eyes if I take my shirt off in public. Yeah, yeah. I lived in Daytona Beach for eight years, and I don't even. I rarely remember ever going to the beach when the sun was up. I'd always be there at sunrise and sunset and night, but during the day, it was for one. It was too crowded most of the time with all the tourists, but it was also just I, I can't. I just burn so quick. It's no fun at all. So what's it like living in Florida? Is it as crazy as the news makes it sound? Probably. Yeah, it was. Um, I, I, unfortunately, I was one of the crazy people when I was living <laughs> in Florida. So yeah, yeah. And I hung out with a bunch of crazy people and did crazy things. But that's one of the reasons I moved out. Like, it's beautiful down there, but it's just party all the time. Like everyone, you know, the only thing really to do is go to bars and clubs and beach parties and Finally, I was like, I got to grow up. I got to get out of this environment. Uh, so, yeah, but yeah, it was wild. It was a good time. I enjoyed it other than the sun and the mosquitoes. But I wouldn't want to live there now because they are going crazy with uh, restrictions on, especially reptiles. It just seems like a constant battle down there with reptiles. Well, that was my decision, right? Because like uh, Florida seems like a wicked place. Like I would love to, you know, that's where Camp Canada is. He's got like the coolest outside sanctuary ever. But, and I'm mm-hmm. trying to move to the U.S. Like and when I say I'm trying, I'm, I'm moving to the U.S. I'm just figuring yeah. out how and how much money I need to send it at this lawyer in order to mm-hmm. do it, right? These immigration lawyers. So, uh, but when we were picking, we're like, okay, so where do you, and we picked, uh, we're going to move to Texas. But Florida seemed like a great option. But also, if you're a reptile YouTuber, you can't have taggies, you can't have Burmese pythons, can't have articulated pythons. Like the list goes on and on. And they're going after more. So, you can't uh, have uh, red runner roaches, dubia roaches. Like yeah. there's a lot of feeders you can't have down there too. Yeah. yeah. In Canada, we can't have dubia roaches and it sucks. So, which is stupid, by the way, because in Canada, like we're not going to have a tropical species live here <laughs> in Canada. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, in Texas, it's like, oh, how many lines do you have? Okay, yeah, no problem. Like they don't care. You can have whatever you want. So yeah. uh, that's part of like the reason is like the freedom in Texas is unbelievable. So that is uh, a motivating factor for sure. Yeah, there's a few states like that. I-, I believe Wyoming and Montana are also pretty unregulated. And where I live, West Virginia, like technically, I could have a kangaroo in my backyard if I wanted. Like there's yeah, there's a few no law against that. that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> fact, the U.S. Yeah. is wild man it's a different animal where yeah here in canada it's kind of like that like there it's you know different pockets like here i can have burmese pythons but if i go up the road you can't that type of thing like it's bylaws mm-hmm. for cities but um yeah you guys have some wild stuff going on in that country it's a lot more interesting than here that's for sure yeah i mean i i love west virginia it's a beautiful state if you do move here you move to the u.s when you move to the u.s we'll, we'll say that you mm-hmm. definitely got to come and check it out we actually uh there's the New River Gorge, which is like, uh, I mean, it's it's just a beautiful, one of the oldest, I think it's the second oldest river in the world, maybe, or maybe oh, it was wow. just the U.S., something like that. But it's it's amazing. Beautiful rock climbing, whitewater rafting, caves, canyons. Uh, it's just, it's an amazing spot. And just like a few months ago, maybe last month, maybe a few weeks ago, very recently, it finally got moved from a state park to a national park, which is uh, is very exciting. And it's the only national park you can hunt in. Like that was one of the things when they were making that transition, they're like, it's such a part of the Appalachian culture that, you know, we don't want to re- like, cause it's illegal to hunt on any other national park in the country, but they're going to allow it to go on here in West Virginia just because it's, I mean, there, there are literally people that live down in that part of the state that that's how they survive. <laughs> you know? Like they're not going to the grocery store to get meat. They're hunting it every summer. So, so what's so great about turning a state park into a national park? Like, what does that mean? 
you get a lot more funding first off a lot more protection from logging companies and you know like um a big issue here in west virginia and i don't want to get anything too political uh there's a whole quagmire but uh it was a coal mining state for a long time and you know coal mining has really kind of fallen to the wayside uh so instead of like digging these huge coal mines deep into the ground they started doing mountaintop removal which i'm sure they probably have in canada too where they essentially just just rip the top off of a hill or a mountain and it just it, it looks like a different planet. I mean, it's it's disturbing when you grow up your whole life hiking these hills, and then you know you haven't been there in ten years, and, and you take a hike, and all the trees are gone. You know, it's just like it looks like the the surface of Mars or something. It's like what the hell? So it's disturbing to see, and then it, you know it, it pollutes the water, and you know then there's fracking and a bunch of oil gas stuff going on. So with this being a state park, from what I understand depending on who's the governor and, you know, what party's controlling the government, they can lease that land to the companies to, you know, just do mountaintop removal mining or, uh, you know, lumber, uh, you know, essentially, you know, make money for the state uh, by, you know, doing business with these private businesses. But when it's a national park, that pretty much puts us, it's all protected. Like there's, there's no leasing off parts of it. Um, at least okay. it's not as easy as it would be if it's a state park. But I think funding is the biggest part. Like they just they get a lot more money for tourism and stuff like that. Probably the same as provincial park versus a national park here. I just never knew the yeah. difference here either. So but we've yeah. got some amazing national parks here. I think Jasper, Alberta, Jasper National Park is like the most beautiful place. I've been to Fiji, I've been to Australia, I've been to New Zealand. The most beautiful place on earth that I've ever seen is Jasper National Park. It's crazy. Nice. Yeah. And then there's I've been to one of the like one of the goals my wife and I have. Uh, in our marriage is to hit up every national park in the United States. Um, and we've, we've probably hit about half of them so far, but it's How like, the, Oh geez. I don't even remember. Is it like one per state or like, there must be more than one. In oh yeah. States. There's some States that don't have any, some States oh. that have multiple. Um, but a lot of them are just like one park. That's huge. And in like a, uh, Yellowstone national park. I, I mean that, that covers like two or three States, three or four States. I mean, it's, it's massive. Um, you know, yeah, the, the Grand Canyon, too, right? uh, yeah, <laughs> yep. That's uh, where so, they, they brought, didn't they bring like wolves in to control a population or something like that? Or mm-hmm. yeah, I know, I, uh, I, yeah, something like that. Right. And there's like the, the biggest bison population in North America is there. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's, that's one of the parks we haven't made it to yet. And that was actually, we were planning on going there last summer, but you know, with COVID and all, <laughs> it's like, yeah, that, that's not going to happen. COVID. What's that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We don't have Never heard that. of that one, huh? Yeah, missed that completely. <laughs> yeah, we don't have that here. Yeah, yeah, uh, interesting. Yeah, there's a cool the, the, man. The U.S. has so many cool things to see, and uh, like national parks are like big things as well. But um, yeah, I can't wait for this whole thing to end so I can go like not only that, but it's cool to like collaborate and like meet people like do like that do this as well. So yeah, um, yeah man, once that border opens up, I'll tell you, I got my shot yesterday. I'm ready to go. As nice. soon as they open that up, I'm ready to go. Yeah. I can't wait to, to get down to the U S and see what there's to see. Yeah. I get my second vaccine shot Friday. So uh, yeah, ours are four months apart for some reason. So my next one's huh. in September. So yeah. Gotcha. Hmm. Yeah. Texas. I've, I've actually never been to Texas. Like I've driven all over the country and I always would go around Texas. <laughs> I was like, I don't even want anything to do with that state. It's uh, a big place. <laughs> it is. And and then, I mean, my, my wife loves Austin. That's like, that's, she loves going there and I've never been, but she keeps saying she's going to take me there. So maybe one day I will go. I had just read 
uh, and I was kind of like a hippie in my in my twenties, and we did a lot of you know long road trips, and just heard so many horror stories of small towns in northern Texas pulling you over for no reason and shaking you down for your money and valuables, threatening to throw you in prison, or you know, and then you give them the money and they'll let you go. I was like, yeah, I don't want any part of that. <laughs> so. Yeah, Austin is like, uh, well, Rogan moved there, right? And then he yeah. brought. 20 something comedians and he four comedy clubs open there and he's opening one himself and mm-hmm. he just had the mayor on his podcast the other day and uh man it seems like a crazy place it's too expensive for a regular person to live now because it's yeah. the housing prices went crazy um but yeah that's where everybody is moving like that's kind of the comedy hub of the u.s it seems like as things open up things are really yeah. changing i love arizona like we went to sedona for a honeymoon we're going to go back there this September. Uh, I got a friend. Uh, I don't know if you know them. It's Shapes in Nature and Bugs in Cyberspace. They were based out of, uh, oh, geez, I want to say Washington. It may have been Oregon, but you know, Pacific Northwest. And they moved down to Arizona and they've got like, they bought this big piece of property and they're calling it Sky Island Adventures, I believe. I hope I'm not like cool. saying stuff that hasn't actually been released yet. <laughs> you uh, heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's, it's a very cool idea. They, they bought this property and essentially op- from what I understand, it's going to be like an Airbnb kind of thing where, you know, you rent the room or like, I guess they have like a little guest house or something and mm-hmm. then you stay there, but then they take you out like during the day and at night to go herping or, or you know, looking for just different cool insects and arachnids and stuff. And because they're big bug guys. I was like, That's that cool. would be very cool. Imagine Arizona. There's a lot that you could be seeing too, right? Like, yeah, especially in the Sky the Island. There. And it seems like the biodiversity there is absolutely insane. Yeah. I mean, just follow them on Instagram. They're constantly going out right now and just posting videos of just different, you know, just kind of exploring, finding these cool spiders and scorpions and all. I mean, they had a, collected a bunch of bugs that they just, they're like water bugs, you know, like different bugs that live in water and have like created a whole tank uh, kind of ecosystem with ones that they collected. And I was like, I didn't even realize there were bugs that lived underwater like that, <laughs> like water scorpions and stuff. It was, it was fascinating. So I'm excited to go out there and stay on their property and and shoot some videos out there because I think that's that's going to be very cool. That's Hopefully cool one day. Thing about like this niche, right? And like in terms yeah. of uh, like uh, reptiles and inverts, is that you kind of like become friends with people and you can do collaborations and kind of like bump your channels up together and work together. And that's something that you see in other niches as well. But um, yeah, it's something that I'm most excited to be a part of is you know meeting people and doing videos together with people yeah. in the same niche because. There's, it's limited here. And also my channel's only been big enough to even get attention from other people since COVID. So even yeah. the guys in Toronto, it's like, well, when it's safe. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. That's something really cool. And I love watching those videos where like when Clint and Emily and Dave and Cusco and all these guys get together and yeah. uh, it's cool to like see the personalities interact with each other. Yeah. Uh, Aquarimax. I don't know if you know Russ from Aquarimax. He's done a few videos with uh, Clint's Reptiles as well. Uh, he's mainly yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, a isopod yeah. guy. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. a great dude. I think he's out in Utah, uh, but he's kind of plugged in with those guys on the Sky Island Ranch. He does a lot of videos with uh, with Peter. And uh, I think you'll start seeing more shapes in nature. Yeah, yeah, you'll start seeing more like uh, the integration between the invert and aquarium and reptile guys. Like it's kind of you know, it seems like a triangle, right? And then there's mm-hmm. like the small pet people and stuff. And I think that's just like a different thing. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I think that you're going to start seeing more of that, kind of like doing collaborations with each other. Because at the end of the day, I never really think about it, but I've got colonies of isopods, which are inverts. You know, I never talk about it. I never think about it like that. Because for me, they're not 
pets or something I've studied or anything like that. It's just these are the things that clean up the poop in my snake containers. You know, like that's yeah. all I, I you know pay attention to. But it's I'm I'm surprised that isopod videos don't do well for you because it seems like amongst reptile people they get really I don't know the prices are going up and they're getting like super popular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's a, an algorithm thing because Russ makes a lot of videos on isopods and they do well. It's just mm-hmm. for whatever reason YouTube doesn't you know suggest my isopod videos or my mantis videos. But I think it's cool because you know I I'm I don't I'm not an expert at anything really, but my specialty I guess is arachnids like you know tarantulas. I'm starting to get more into the scorpions and, and spiders and stuff. But that's that's kind of like my field of focus. But the same environment that those species live in. There's a lot of reptiles, a lot of snakes, a lot of amphibians, you know, a, a lot of isopods. And so it's, it's kind of, whether it's a desert or a tropical region, it kind of seems like the people that are really into reptiles within that environment, there are also some very cool arachnids and, and all kind of part of that same ecosystem. So I think even though we have different specialties, we're pretty much talking about the same environments. Well, if you're going looking for stuff, like if you're going like herping, we call it right here, or like for reptiles, is you're going to see a ton of the stuff that you'd be looking for, you know, tarantulas and scorpions. And every video that I seem to watch, especially Arizona and like drier climates, it's always, you know, here's this snake and this pit viper and then a million scorpions. So it seems like you see a lot of them. And it's always interesting because I guess if you're interested in one, you're going to think, like, who doesn't think a scorpion's cool? Like, it's the coolest thing ever there's a million sports mm-hmm. teams named after scorpions like it's a very unique thing same with tarantulas they're very impressive so i think if you like not one, to, not to mention one of my favorite 80s hair bands <laughs> but oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah sebastian bach right is that yeah okay? yeah that's him yep mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm just kidding i was, I was never <laughs> a huge scorpions fan but when i post pictures of scorpions on instagram and i use that hashtag i find that that's where i get lumped into <laughs> a lot of mm-hmm. 80s hair metal fans. <laughs> They're like, what? That's, that's not the only yeah. thing our, our hobbies have in common, though. Um, recently, at least in the tarantula hobby, and I've seen it starting to happen in the isopod hobby a lot, is this, um, there's just like an explosion of scam artists that are, uh, somebody will post something on Facebook. Like, they'll be in my Facebook group and they'll say, I love this tarantula. I would really like to get one. Does anyone know where I can find uh, this species? And people will be leaving comments like, maybe this business, maybe that business. Uh, they're really expensive. They're very rare. Good luck finding one. And then some random account will see that post and send that person a direct message and be like, hey, I've got an adult female. I'll sell it to you for $200. And they're like, oh, wow, that's that's amazing. But then the guy's like, I don't accept PayPal. You got to send it through like Facebook Pay or Cash App or something like that. Somewhere where they have no avenue to like kind of, uh, what do they call that? Um, essentially ask for a refund. You know, there's, I can't remember what they, but you know, they, they can't. They don't have that. Like if you do PayPal friends and family, you don't, you don't have to pay that, you know, 2% fee or whatever, but you can't ask for a refund if the transaction goes bad, where if you do it as a business expense or whatever, mm-hmm. you pay the fee, but you know, you got like 60 days to request a refund and, and they cover it. So it's like, you see that happen a lot. And now it's starting to happen in the jumping spider community. I'm seeing it happen in the isopod community. Is that something that happens a lot in the reptile community as well? Do you, do you have Facebook trolls that are scamming people? Um, I've seen like a little bit, but I, I don't really know too much. I know that Lord of Lion actually, he's another uh, YouTuber in Canada, the, like mm-hmm. mostly uh, bearded dragons and stuff. And um, he did a whole video about catching a scammer. It was like a bearded dragon scam. And I can't remember the exact details of it. You see it a little bit, but not too much. Like when you brought it up to me uh, the, a few days ago when we talked, 
I kind of like, oh yeah, that's a thing. Like it's not something I think about or really like see too much of, but I mean, it's definitely a thing. I've seen it on my own videos where, oh, he's talking about doom. Where would I get one? And I reply, oh, I don't know. Sorry. I don't live in whatever country they're in. And uh, you'll see someone swoop in. Oh, I've got them, you know, DM me or whatever. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Ugh, just be careful when you're doing that. Are you in, uh, are you into cryptocurrencies at all? Yeah, very recent. I saw your post on Facebook about the newcomers. <laughs> I am one of them. And I did yeah. get, uh, well, not scammed, but I did buy uh, Elon Musk. Whatever he tells me to do, I will do without question. He is way smarter than me. And uh, Joe Rogan likes him <laughs> also. So, um, <laughs> uh, but in all seriousness, I did invest um, you know, a good chunk recently at, on the dip, but I did get screwed on Dodge for Doge for sure. Doge, I yeah, yeah I bought well, low and I sold when I get to like 30 because I got scared and then it went right up to 80 and I bought more and I'm like, oh Elon's gonna be on Saturday Night Live. It's gonna go and then we both know how that worked out. So yeah. Well there's this uh I don't know I'm sure it's as prevalent now as it used to be, but like I stopped watching cryptocurrency YouTube videos or commenting on mainly commenting on them. Uh, or commenting on uh, crypto accounts on Twitter because it, it's like, uh, I mean, it's, it's like flies to shit. It's you, you leave a comment, then you're just inundated with scammers that are like, send me one Bitcoin and in three days I'll send you three Bitcoin in return. It's like, that is obviously a scam, but people fall for it all the time, you know, or they'll, they'll make an account on Twitter that looks like whatever crypto YouTuber you're following or Elon Musk or something. And, and, you know, but they'll misspell the name. They'll, you know, switch two letters around or something and leave a comment like that. A Mr. Beast, that was a bit, a lot of people got really upset with Mr. Beast because they feel like he, they scammed him for a bunch of crypto. And it's like, that wasn't his Twitter accounts. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you just sent that to an address. You're not getting it back. So that, it's that same type of scammer that's like milking people for crypto because that seems like such a great deal uh, that are also taking advantage of people in in the exotic pet community these days, it seems. And some people are, I don't even want to use the word naive. They're just very optimistic that people are being kind and generous people and they do fall for it. In fact, I got hired at a job like a few years back and the job was you had to go buy things and we're going to put Bitcoin in your wallet and then you buy it and then you send us the cash. And it was like clearly a scam. But Mm. um, I mean, they... I know someone who started the job and they got scammed. So obviously yeah. I knew cause I'm kind of a cynical person, I guess that uh, this seems pretty sketchy, pretty too good to be true. And, and, it, and it turned out to be, but yeah, you see that on, you know, it's sad. It's sad when you see that. And I worked in call centers. I know how it is. You're trying to scam people, old ladies <laughs> or whoever will believe you. Does this dial up make my phone fast? Yes, ma'am, for sure. I know you don't have a computer, but you definitely need to buy my dial up internet for your yeah. phone. Yeah. So <laughs> there are people like that. It's, it's sad, yeah. but you do see it. I worked for um, XM Radio back before Sirius and XM merged. Mm-hmm. And one of our big, I mean, like they, they paid you very well. Like I'm not, I love that job. I would go back and, and you could like listen to the radio all day. You got free XM Radio. It was a, they were a great company to work for, but they pay, you could make a lot of money on commissions. So if somebody called to, uh, you know, upgrade the radio or change their subscription or something like that, my whole goal uh, was to sell them a second radio. And it was one of those deals where it's like, uh, I'll give you the radio for free or the, you know, like a a hundred dollar radio for five bucks. You just got to sign up and I'll give you three months of service for free. And then if you don't need it, then you just cancel the service and send the radio back or whatever it is. You know, it's kind of like you you essentially get a radio and three months of service for free. And I would get the commission off that. And the guy is just a single man with one car. And he's like, why would I need a second radio? I'm like, oh yeah, but it's only $5. And like would really work to sell him something he doesn't need just so I could get the commission. 
And that was like a call center type job, right? It was. Yep. Yeah. My first real jobs were all call centers and I worked for Verizon at first and then Windstream was a company. They served West Virginia at the Mm -hmm. time. And uh, at the time it was, if you sign up, we'll send you a free uh, computer in the paperwork, it says you have to pay for it after three months. And uh, <laughs> then my favorite one was for Texas and Arkansas, I think. They ran a yeah, promotion yeah. where you got a free muffler or shotgun if you signed up for a year. I'm nice. Canadian. That was the craziest <laughs> thing I've ever heard. But I sold a lot of Windstream during that time. Yeah, I bet. That's pretty wild. The worst place I worked, um, I can't remember the name of the company, but it was my first job. Uh, I think I, I was either still in high school or I just graduated before I went to college. I think I was still in high school. It was a part-time job. It was civic development company. I'm sure they're, they're way out of business now, but it was, it was, uh, it kind of felt like Wolf on wall street. You know, it's like, it was just crazy in there. You had managers running up and down, trying to hype you up. And we were calling random people, mainly old people on behalf of the fraternal order of police or the sheriff's department or something like that, soliciting donations. Uh, mm-hmm. and, we didn't mention the fact that they only got 10% of the money that you donate. We kept 90%. Yeah, if they asked, we had to tell them, but you definitely avoided that like the plague and would get old people to send you 20 bucks all the time. It's like, it just felt wrong in my soul. Like this lady doesn't have $20 to spend. She's just told me she's on social security, fixed income, fixed but income, that's the one. I convinced her to give me her grocery money and only $2 are, are going to the cause she thinks she's supporting. Yeah, but you made a so cool four dollars, right? So I mean, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, I was sixteen when I got that job, so I didn't care. Yeah. It's like you're telling me I can make sixteen dollars if this guy buys this thing that I know he doesn't need. Well, of course you're going to do it. And uh, we ran political campaigns too. We ran one where it was uh, for the U.S. Hey, you have to call your senator and tell him this, whatever it was, that some bill that needs to be passed or whatever. And then we'd patch you through to his home phone number and listen to you leave a message. And if you didn't do a good enough job, we'd ask you to do it again and patch you through again. So (laughs) silly. And they paid us less for that than they paid us to do like Verizon, Windstream, whatever it was at the time. So we always hated political, but it was like a punishment. You can either be, you know, you scam this lady too hard and you know Verizon's going to find out about it so you can either be suspended for a week or you can do political dialing for a week it was like this punishment I remember it was terrible that was an awful yeah. job an awful job wow. I wonder if it's the same company I was working for for a while because that was I also was working for call center uh, for Verizon it was a, uh, essentially trying to convince people to upgrade their phones and sign a new two-year contract and if you screwed mm-hmm. up or you weren't making your numbers it kick you over to uh, NRA. So you were calling on behalf of the National Rifle Association, trying to yeah. solicit donations for whatever politician, Republican that they were they were uh, backing at that time. And it was like and nobody wanted to go to NRA. There was no commission. There was it was just it was just miserable. You just well, a lot of people would be yelling at you, being very upset. I imagine so. well, anything political like that because I know guns are like political for whatever reason, but anything like that is like really tough because you get people who most of the time have a pretty strong opinion either way. And Mm -hmm. I did a political campaign one time for, um, in Canada, we had a registry for long guns for like rifles and unrestricted. And uh, it's gone now, but I worked on a campaign where we called people and tried to get them to sign a petition uh, to get rid of it, which worked because it Mm -hmm. was gone, even though the RCMP got busted last month that they held on to it. Um, But it was very, man, strong opinions from people. And it's like, I... I would just work here. I, I don't care. I, I don't run on either side of the fence, but they scream at you like you're the one who's like writing the bill. But uh, right. man, call center jobs, they will make a man out of you for sure. Those mm-hmm. like you, if you want adversity, 
call you work for a call center because you get paid very little <laughs> to get yelled at an awful lot. Yeah. But it does teach you useful skills like being able to talk to people and, and de-escalate and you know, just kind of riff on the fly, which has definitely helped me out as far as like podcasting and and doing YouTube videos. Looks like, good on a it resume. Was a horrible too. experience, but yeah. Yeah. Then yeah. yeah, my first um, uh, like job where I could you know, get paid more than minimum wage. The only reason mm-hmm. I got hired at that job is because I had a bunch of call centers on my resume and I became good at speaking from those jobs. So if I never worked in those hell jobs, I never would have got that one job, which led to the next one, which led to the next one. So it, they are stepping stones, but uh, man, those, those were fun because everyone hates their job and there's that camaraderie, right? Like everyone like is in the same, it's like, I don't want to compare it to prison. I've never been to prison, but like it's like a <laughs> shithole and you know, you have like this, everyone's feeling the same thing. And then I don't know, it helps you later in life. So a lot of the times you have to like, you know, wade through the shit in order to get to the rainbow or whatever stupid yeah. analogy I'm trying to make on the fly here. I worked for a, an Amazon call center 20 years ago. So this is like before oh, wow. they went crazy. <laughs> it was like <laughs> the best job ever. And it was a 24 hour call center. So I went into work at midnight, work midnight to 8 a.m. And it, it was great. There was, you know, there was maybe 12 of us there just kind of, uh, I don't even think we, we don't, we didn't even answer the phone. It was all just responding to emails and like, mm. you know, sending out $5 gift cards because their order got lost or it was like running late or something. And it was, it was, it was amazing. Like it, you could decorate your own cubicle. I had radio head posters and sex pistol posters in my little cubicle. And, uh, it, but it, it was, I was at an age where, I was extremely irresponsible. Like I was way too irresponsible to have that job. Like they were paying me way too much money. And when you work noon to 8 a.m., like I would get off work, I'd get breakfast, go home and go to sleep and essentially wake up and then go to the bar and drink <laughs> until I had to go to work. <laughs> so I was like showing up to work every day, just drunk off my ass. Uh, so but because no supervision or very little supervision, yeah. jobs like that, right? Yeah. Because usually my manager, like that was the only person above me. Uh, we would meet him at the bar. So it was like pretty much our whole team would get drunk at the, the Irish bar across the street and then go into work and write emails. <laughs> it was, it yeah, was great. Sounds like every call center job I've ever worked at. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, that's exactly what, There's some sort of substance that you are ingesting to make those jobs tolerable, basically, at every <laughs> job I've ever worked at like that. So yeah. yeah, very interesting times, but I am so glad I do not work at a call center anymore. It's very true. Um, but to get back to what we were talking about before we went <laughs> off on this tangent, uh, I, I caught some flack from people that got scammed and I was just wondering, maybe you, you've ran into this at all, uh, because they, the person that emailed, sent them a message and saying, and I've got this amazing species at this ridiculously low price. That wasn't, maybe they're a red flag went up. They're like, that's too good to be true. But then they like went and looked at that person's profile and they saw that, you know, maybe I follow them on Instagram or I'm friends with them on Facebook and other people that they look up to or respect or know of were also, you know, following or friends with. So they're like, well, they must be a good person. Even though like I had never heard of this person before. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, I, I'm maybe we're friends on Facebook, but there were times where I just was accepting anybody that sent a friend request. I was like, okay, <laughs> you know, so making a bigger uh, audience for yourself. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like following someone or being friends with them on social media is not an endorsement. Uh, and I think that's, a message that really needs to get out there. And I was just wondering if you've ever had any issues with that. Never. No, I, I've been very no. lucky. I've never had anyone try to like steal my identity in terms of like making a Wiccans Wicked Reptiles account or anything like that. Or I've never had any backlash about that. 
whatsoever. I've been very lucky, but now that we're talking about it, I'm sure I'll get a DM in five minutes. Like, hey, the, this guy was trying to sell me and you're friends with him on Facebook, but yeah. no, I've never had that before. I've been very lucky. It's frustrating. And part of me like feels like it's your own damn fault. You got scammed. Like, yeah. If, if the, the fact that they sent you a direct message rather than posting it publicly wasn't a red flag, or the fact that they told you they want you to pay them uh, through a method that you have no recourse to get your money back if they scam you, like that should have been another red flag. Uh, it, it seems like there's all these red flags that people ignore because they're greedy or they're just really excited to get a species that they don't have already. Like, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the rubber ducky isopods. They're mm -hmm. uh, like yellow and great. Yeah, beautiful. I don't know what they're going for in Canada, but down here they're like $20, $25 per, you know, isopod. Like they, Yeah, they they're crazy expensive. Really they never expensive. used to be, but they are now. Yeah, and I, I saw somebody on one of these isopod groups saying, Someone told him they would send them uh, 10 of them for $50, but they had to send it through Cash App or Venmo or so. I don't remember what app scammers use, but they had no way of getting their money back. And they were, they were very upset. It's like, why would you think that was a good deal? I mean, I understand why you think that's a good deal as far as like the price, but just the fact that everyone else is selling it for two to three times that, um, I don't understand why somebody would believe somebody. They don't know a stranger offering them something like that. Uh, yeah, but, well, you remember that I see that in, with... Uh, in Matilda where he's like rolling back the odometer or this, the, um, yeah, odometer. And he's like trying to sell cars for like really cheap that, but he just kind of, that's it's, that reminds me of that, right? Like hmm. you're a sleazy car salesman when you're trying to do that and people do <laughs> buy into it. But yeah, I think that, uh, bringing it to people, if, if you're watching this and anyone ever does that to you, please do not do that. Do not send these people money. And if you do make a deal with them, PayPal or some, you know, where there's recourse to get your money back. Cause if they're yeah. using this random app and you have to jump through all these hoops, it is too good to be true. Cause that's exactly how it seems. Yeah. It's heartbreaking uh, because you know, there's, you know, it's just a lesson. It's an ex expensive lesson. You got to learn. Uh, it just shocks me that it's young people. Like when I think of people getting ripped off online, I always think of older people, <laughs> I guess, you know, like those, uh, this is a, I don't know if this happens in Canada at all, but before I went full-time doing YouTube, I worked at this, uh, it was, it was called, it was like a gold buying store. My friend started and mainly what we got, we bought like gold bullion, silver bullion, coins, firearms. So in a way it was kind of like a pawn shop, but we didn't do pawning. Like you just, you invested in a bunch of like real gold, like gold coins and stuff or gold jewelry. And you wanted to get cash for it. You brought it in and we'd weigh it out and, and figure it out that way. But kind of in that same avenue, like the same software you use to, to buy gold and silver and coins and stuff, you could also buy gift cards. So if you had like a $100 gift card to Target, I could give you $70 cash for it. You know, if you just wanted the cash and not spend anything at, uh, you know, at Target. So people would come in all the time and, and sell us gift cards, especially like after Christmas or after their birthday because, you know, they just wanted the money for rent or whatever. Uh, but there's this these call centers that would call these old people. They target them. And act like they were the IRS saying they're about ready to send out a sheriff to your house. We've got a warrant for you. You need to stay on the phone with me and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, you're going to drive to this CVS pharmacy and buy $5,000 worth of Target gift cards and then go to your car and give me all of the numbers off the back. And then we'll use that um, to pay off the money you owe the IRS. And I'll, I'll tell the sheriff to go ahead and cancel that warrant so you won't get arrested and spend the night in jail. And it's like, why in God's name would you believe the IRS wanted you to pay them in Target gift cards? <laughs> like it blows my mind, but it happened all the time. Here. It's called the CRA here instead of the IRS. Same thing, mm -hmm. same scam. Apple, it's always iTunes gift cards that you have to buy. Yeah. 
And I know someone who it was an email and it was from our boss. It was a guy that was a sales guy where I worked and it was like from our boss's name say was like Joe Schmo, but it was like Joe Schmo with two O's in the email address, but looked Mm -hmm. identical otherwise. And it was, uh, you know, Hey, we'll call him Dan. Hey Dan, you got to go buy these uh, things and scratch them off the back and then, uh, you know, give them to me and then I'll reimburse you when you get back to the office. And yeah. I, we all watched it. He walked into you know the boss's office and was like, "Hey, like here's the gift cards. You know, where's my money?" And just the look on his face, and we all realized immediately what had happened because we all got that email. But this guy was in his late sixties, still working, and he was the only. All of us laughed. We were laughing, yeah. like obviously this is fake. And this guy fell for it. And I bet you there's a lot of people that fall. And we yeah, what we get yeah. here is I live uh, really close. I live in a, a college town. We have a, a university and a college here. And it's sure. a lot of um, Chinese students, like tons. So we get these messages that are all in Chinese. And someone that I know who speaks Chinese translated it because I get these all the time. It'll just be like this, you know, Chinese voice, and then this music in the background. It sounds like a, you know, like a Chinese restaurant. That's kind of what it sounds like, the, like a calming, you know, Mulan soundtrack. And uh, yeah, it says you're going to get deported if you don't pay your student loans immediately. And it's the same sort of scam, but they're smart enough to do it in my area code in Chinese because they know there's a ton of people here that only speak Chinese. It's kind of nice. brilliant, but it's also yeah. kind of sad. Yeah. They, they hated us because, you know, these, these people, like, you know, they're just calling, I don't, I don't know if they like have a list of people that are, you know, uh, on the AARP mailing list or something, but somehow they're able to, you know, get the phone numbers of people that are over 50 and target them but they you know they didn't know what area it is so they would just kind of you know the scammer would get on the internet and google uh, where to buy gift cards you know to, to try to determine the closest place to buy gift cards you know compared to where this person is located and anybody in in our town the first result because we spent so much time on seo at that business uh one of the our big ads was we buy gift cards so if you type in where to buy gift cards our business would come up so they would tell them to go to our shop to buy the gift cards <laughs> But we don't sell gift cards. We buy gift cards. So they would come in and be like, I need to get uh, $2,000 in uh, Google Play gift cards or Apple gift cards or something. And, and like have the phone in their hand and be like, yeah, I'm in here right now. And it's like, do you know that person you're talking to? And then like ask the situation, they'd explain it to us. And we'd be like, you're in the process of being scammed right now. Like you're lucky you came in here. Don't give them any money. Don't buy these gift cards. They're scamming you. Like, no, 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 They're They're with the IRS. And I'm like, Call, hang up and call the IRS right now and, and get back in touch with that person. I bet you can't. Half the time, we'd be able to convince that person they were getting scammed and they would just hang up and go home embarrassed. But sometimes they were very adamant. Like they were, they were really working to give that scammer their money. Completely ignore us, get mad at us for not helping them out and leave and go to the next business down the road. And it's like, all right, your money. You want to give it to them. Like you'll learn by tomorrow. <laughs> It is. It was, it's it's weird thing, right? Because like, if you're threatened with jail, like that is a very motivating thing. Like, I'll do whatever you want, but you do, yeah. Like, why is the IRS want gift cards? Like, it doesn't. Like, there, there's so much it doesn't make sense there. So yeah. it's sad to see, but it happens. And here we've got uh, like our hydroelectric company, and there's always a scam every few years, or like um, you know, cable, whatever. Well, they'll have a badge it says Google on it. We're a rep from Google or whatever. And they'll try to like push their way in your door. We need to look at your furnace right now. It's about to blow up and they're just scammers oh, wow. and they'll be in your house and they won't leave until you buy whatever. And they target old people. <laughs> and I've had one come to my door. It's like, I know exactly what you are and uh, I'm not very big, but I promise you, you're not pushing away in this door. And yeah. you see on Twitter all the time, like the hydroelectric company, these guys are scammers. And it's like, yeah, I'm, you're a hydroelectric company. They're wearing Google name tags to look official. Like, 
You're yeah. not affiliated with Google, are you? <laughs> it doesn't happen too much. That type of scam in West Virginia. That's probably because this area is kind of known for you get you're born with a rifle in your hand. <laughs> it's like yeah, we get that a lot here. We get that. I don't a lot. know anybody there's that no, doesn't like, have a gun by their front door. Yes, there's very few people. There's more than you think, right? But uh, yeah, and the thing is too, like I I'm a gun guy. I have a gun license. I own guns. I like to shoot guns. But um, you, I can't defend my home with a gun uh, like that. I go to jail. So if you break in my house wow. and you hurt my family and then I shoot you, I go to jail, not you. So that's the way it is in Canada. Another motivating reason to move to a castle doctrine state. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so here it's like there's no really re- like, you know, if you break in someone's house, you're going to be pretty safe unless they have a dog. So you see that a lot. And it's a college town. So you like and with a lot of old people or really old city as well. So yeah. you can very easily trick a college kid who barely speaks the language and it's easy to trick an old person because, oh, you're here to see my furnace? We used to have repair guys in my day. So yeah, yeah you, you see that a lot here. It's it's kind of crazy how, how often. Yeah, it just sucks that it's getting into the exotic pet hobby to the extent that it is. And, and it feels like, at least from what I've seen, because uh, I just really started kind of delving into the isopod and jumping spider Facebook groups and it's it's essentially the same people. Like, they're like, oh, this guy ripped me off for $200. I was trying to buy isopods and he's completely ghosted me. And they'll post the screenshots. And I'm like, that guy got kicked out of our group like six months ago for trying to do the same stuff with tarantulas. So it's like, they know enough about exotic pets to, you know, pull some. And a lot of times the pictures they send are just off of a dealer's website. Like they just do a Google image search. Or Google. They put no yeah. effort into it at all. They just ripped the first picture. I've seen that before. Yeah. Yeah. I had a guy reach trying to scam me which just blew my mind. I was like, why, why are you going for the guy that runs the group to scam? <laughs> but like a whole bunch of other people and his profile picture on Facebook was of Peter McKinnon. And I was like, do you not think I know who that is? Like you are definitely not Peter McKinnon. Pretty recognizable face. Why do you pick <laughs> yeah. a 6 million subscriber channel to like, that seems so, you're not very good at scamming. You need to go back to scammer school. But I yeah. think it's like, no matter what your hobby is, man, like I remember in the gyms and there'd be guys selling fake steroids and stuff like that or fake supplements and, you know, bigger, stronger, faster. They made fake supplements and showed you how easy it is to scam people into buying them. So oh, wow. uh, it's the same thing. And I, I hope that we really don't see it here. It seems like there's a lot of really smart people in these hobbies. So hopefully we don't see that happen here. But uh yeah, and that's why I'm like a really big into how Canadians run expos. We really vet people very well. I very rarely see people with, you know, a scale rot snake or because the guy who runs him here, Grant, he is like no nonsense. If he sees you with something that you shouldn't have, you're gone. See you later. And it seems like in the States, uh, just watching Go Herping's video, so maybe like one source isn't the best way to make up my mind, but he seems to think that it's very lax there and you get people who like buy from this table and then go to this table and sell for $40 more than they bought it for. <laughs> and you don't see that here. We're, we're, I, yeah. Of all the things, I, t- I talk a lot of shit about Canada, but the way we run Reptile Expos here, there is no one better than Grant at running Reptile Expos for sure. What exactly goes into the vetting process? Do you know? I think it's more like, um, well, if people don't know who you are, like, I don't know if they sit you down and talk to you or what the exact thing is, but it's more than just, oh, you've got 80 bucks for a table or whatever it costs. Um, And a lot of the the time too, like if you have a bad reputation because it's a small community in Canada, we have a very small population, a very small population of reptile keepers. So if we know you're a bad apple, you're out. Like all of us know immediately because we all kind of talk. And even people that don't like each other, even the guys who are the six-year-old people who I've been doing this forever and I hate you because you're a YouTuber, even yeah. they will say to you, hey, man, I see that you're talking to this. Don't talk to that guy. So 
I think it's just uh, because we have a tight knit community here. It's just easier to vet people because if you're a bad apple, everybody knows about you immediately. And it's not like you can go where in California, you've got 30 million people and then you can go to Texas and however many they have there and nobody knows you, but you have a huge market in Canada. I mean, Toronto is if ever, if you're doing bad stuff in Toronto, which is where most of the expos are, every other big city knows who you are because there's so few of them. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. I've actually seen that like at an expo. I've seen a dealer before, you know, like when the, the VIP hours before the expo actually opens to the public, go around and see some guy that mainly sells like geckos or, uh, you know, ball pythons has like 10 or 20, uh, like one species of tarantula or whatever that they bred and they had. they'll buy all of them. They'll <laughs> just be like, give me a bulk price on all of them. I'll buy them right now and then take them to their table and just change the price tags on them and sell no, them as retail. It's like, but I mean, that's, that's, that's a hustle, you know, it's like, they know that, but it's also kind of, it's kind of shady, I guess, in, in a way. <laughs> I personally don't see any problem with that. Um, because like, as long as you're not mistreating the animal, I personally don't right. see any problem with that. I mean, like I'm a big, I'm a big fan of capitalism. Like, you know, it might not be popular, but at the end of the day, you're taking something that you can buy for a cheaper price and you're, it's the same, same way that everything you've ever bought works. So as long as you're treating the animal, okay, I have no problem with people doing that. I mean, it's just, if you're the guy who sold them you know, that's a possibility, right? So, you know, what are you complaining about? Well, the only issue, uh, and this is probably more of an issue in the invert hobby than maybe the reptile hobby, but there's a, a major problem with wild caught tarantulas making it into the hobby where people, you know, they'll, they'll either buy from some kind of distributor that's just catching them out in the wild and selling them. Um, so it's like, you want to buy captive bread, but when somebody does something like that, they buy a bunch of tarantulas from somebody that doesn't typically sell tarantulas. They have really no way of in, ensuring you that these are captive bred, that they didn't just pull a female out of the wild and, you know, took her egg sack and, and split them up and is now selling them as slings, you know? So it's, yeah, that is, I kind of like having that, that chain of custody. Yeah. Mislabeling stuff. Yeah. I totally agree. That is not okay. And uh, yeah, I'm thinking more along the lines of like, if you buy from someone, but you actually know what, like what they are and stuff and like, you're just capitalizing, that's a different thing. But yeah, if you're misrepresenting what things are like, that is never okay. That's not, that's a big no, no. Yeah, what you're talking about, that's just that's just good business sense. <laughs> that's, yeah, and that's how you have run a business. But it's a free market, man. That's how it works. Yeah. But uh, yeah. yeah, you you don't really see that a lot here where people try to like, or they'll, like hybrids is another really big thing. And you, people hate hybrids, especially with snakes and stuff. Like if you take mm-hmm. uh, a Woma python and a ball python and make hybrids or Burmese people, man, I got in so much trouble for this one talking about how if you want a Burmese python, but it's a little bit too big for you, then maybe you want to think about getting a uh, dwarf Burmese python, which isn't a hybrid. It's just a dwarf. It comes from uh, islands, right? Same thing with retics, same sort of thing, locality. And I got in trouble for this from the same guy who called me a Dumerals Boa shell because uh, if I'm promoting getting uh, these dwarf Burmese pythons, then someone's going to misrepresent it and then someone's going to go home with a 12-foot snake instead of a 6-foot snake. And you see the same thing with hybrids where if I say, hey, you know, like what a really cool thing is is a berm ball as long as you're not trying to co-mix them. And yeah, it's like a whole can of worms. But I think as long as you're selling something and you're telling someone exactly what it is, as long as the animal's okay, what's the issue? I don't see what the issue is. Yeah. In the tarantula hobby, it's they, they call them hobby forms or hybrids, uh, mainly hybrids, but sometimes they'll refer to them as hobby forms because that's a, uh, you know, putting a little bit of lipstick on the pig there. But yeah. they are, you definitely don't want those. Like it, it, if you have a hybrid, you're pretty much looked down upon in the hobby. Everybody wants true blood or is that not true blood? That's a vampire show. Pure you blood? Want, pure blood. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you want, you don't want to mix CCs. 
Um, and, and that's an issue because there are a lot of tarantula species that are very, they're, they're different species, but they're close. They're, they're related enough that they can actually breed. And sometimes, you know, that the, they'll have an egg sac. And sometimes there's a, you know, it, we saw that with the curly hair. Uh, there's some of the, like the, the more popular basic tarantulas in the hobby have kind of been interbred or not interbred crossbred with closely related species and create these hybrid hobby forms. And anybody that's a responsible keeper won't breed that, you know, they'll have it in their collection maybe. And when they realize it's a hybrid, they definitely don't breed it because they don't want to, you know, muddy the, the gene pool anymore. Um, that's a big thing. Yeah. Muddying yeah. the, the gene pool. Right. And I think that there's a big difference and, and with snakes. You see this a lot where like, I personally have no problem. If you want to take a Burmese Python and a ball Python, get a bigger version of a ball Python with the temperament. I got no problem with that. No one's going to think it's something that it's not. The problem, in my opinion, and what I think a lot of people would agree in the reptile community is if you take something like an Indonesian blue tongue skink and you mix it with a northern and then you start selling them as because we can't bring any more northerns in. Australia can't, you know, ship out animals. Yeah. So what we have here is all we have. Um, so people don't like that. And I agree with that because you're trying to keep what is pure, pure because you can't get any more of them. So if you muddy it too much, then they might go away. But Burmese pythons and ball pythons aren't going away. So if you mix, I think that's why there's like a double standard uh, for certain species, I guess. And same thing with boas. People like to keep localities pure as well. Yeah. Yeah. With, uh, with tarantulas, you see this a lot um, that you'll have problems breeding a specific species. Like for a long time, from what I understand, I'm not a breeder or anything, but the, people were having a hard time getting Gramistola pulchra um, bred in captivity. And it turns out the issue was there was actually two different species that were being sold as Gramistol poker. They looked nearly identical. And it wasn't until recently they discovered that they were, they were separate, even though they looked identical. Uh, one was like the Gramistola Qargi. And, and that's probably why they were, you know, you're breeding two spiders you thought were the same species. They weren't producing an egg sac because they really weren't all that compatible. It was a very rare circumstance that you would actually get a successful breeding. But people look at ball pythons, and I'm not picking on ball pythons, but it just seems to be the biggest headache in my life is people are like, we well, get all these cool morphs from ball pythons or, you know, why can't we do that with tarantulas? And it's like, well, that's like saying you've got a whole bunch of different breeds of dogs, but they're all still canines, you know, that they're all the mm -hmm. same species. They just, they through selective breeding created all these different breeds. Like you can't really do that with tarantulas. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah. Cause I think people kind of confuse making morphs, which are the same species with making different species out of two different species. And I think that's where people get kind of confused. And that's why I try to make videos about hybrids and morphs and like try to yeah. dispel that. Cause it's once you realize it, once someone tells you it's like, Oh, and then like the, you, you are no longer confused with reptiles. But I think with, in, with inverts, it's very, I think everything looks so similar and we don't really have that here. Like we have families where, for example, Antaresia, one of my favorite genuses, of snakes that there are spotted pythons, children pythons, Stinson's pythons, and pygmy pythons. But Stinson's pythons are no longer a thing. They are children's pythons now. We've grouped them together because they're so similar. Where it seems mm -hmm. like what you guys do is you split them up. <laughs> like you're you do DNA testing and <laughs> it becomes more, not fewer. Yeah. I this kind of segues into something I've been curious about. I was watching um oh man, I want to forget his name. Uh he always says like rattle on that oh, guy. Oh, Dave Kaufman. Dave Kaufman, yeah. He was talking, and I think it was in one of your videos as well. You were talking about how the hognose steak, it was like the Western. Now it's the Plains or something like that. Like what, what yeah. happened there? What's that situation? Um, so Western hognose snakes can, uh, so 
plains hognose snakes, dusty hognose snakes, Mexican hognose snakes, and I think there was another one, and they were all just called westerns. So I guess in this case, we did the opposite. We actually made four species out of one, and they're all so similar. If I showed you a dusty versus a, a plains, you would never be able to tell the difference, right? It's like yeah. very minute. So I don't know why we did that, but in my limited experience, because I've only been doing this for like you know 13 years or whatever, I've seen mm-hmm. more things going together or changing, right? Like scrub pythons used to be in a certain family and now they're no longer. So things change all the time, but I do get a lot of flack about that because I, I used to make a lot of content about Western hognose snakes. I still call them Westerns to this day um, or uh, boas. They're no longer BCIs, yeah. they're BIs. So it's no longer boa constrictor emperor. It's just boa emperor. And there's no BCC. Boa constrictor constrictor is just boa constrictor. And if you in a video say, this is my boa constrictor, when really what you have is a boa emperor, then I mean, <laughs> the, the, y- y- there's a fire down below in the comments. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, I always thought of hognose snakes as being like a Midwest or Western thing here in the US. And there's a, a professor here in our town. Uh, he's for the he's like a biology professor at the local university, and uh, I think our kids went to scouts together or something. But <laughs> he, uh, so we're friends on Facebook, and I saw him post go uh, post about going herping, and he found some hognose snakes and rattler, like a, I think it was a timber rattler, and just he found a whole bunch of really cool snakes, and I, I, that I didn't even realize were in this state. It was kind of like, dude, uh, let me go with you next time and film that. Like, I just thought we had like some garter snakes and a couple of rat snakes. Uh, yeah, we have uh, we have eastern hognose snakes here. Not really in my area so much, but yeah. in Ontario, we have easterns, which are very. They, there's a different coloration. They're much more likely to play dead. They're much more likely to musk on you. They don't do well in captivity. They don't really eat rodents that well. Like Snake Discovery has been trying to get hers on rodents. I'm not sure how it's going, but um, very different. They- and there's like the tricolors and then there's like the uh, Madagascar ones, which aren't even in the same family. Hognose snakes are like really cool. And there's like a lot of different ones to choose from. What does the Eastern hognose snake typically eat then? Uh, amphibians mostly. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So a lot of the times, like even Westerns eat amphibians, especially as babies, like tadpoles and frogs and stuff. So I've in the past, the reason I have toads is so I can scent pinkies with toads to make babies eat. Cause I breed hognose snakes. So you get that. So instead of feeding them, you know, something that's hard to get, it's hard to get captive bred toads and frogs and stuff like that are affordable to feed. So you just, you know, scent it like you, you just make the picky mouse smell like a toad. Um, but yeah, yeah, Westerns are, I've seen Easterns here, uh, but mostly what you see here are garter snakes, ribbon snakes, uh, fox snakes are really cool. Eastern milk snakes. Um, you can see like ring neck snakes and decays yeah. brown snakes here. I saw a decays brown snake the other day. I walk, We've got one of the only um, natural escarpments in the world here in Niagara. And I walk, I walk along the bottom of it every day. And a lot of the times I'll see fox snakes or like there's houses across the road and then there's just woods here. So it's yeah. very cool. The biodiversity with snakes. But we've got one lizard, five line skinks. That's it. If you want to see lizards, <laughs> you get one opportunity and I've never seen one in the wild. Oh, wow. That's, that's pretty crazy. So when, you're, when you move to the US, are you able to... Because I had no desire. I didn't even really know about hognose snakes until we did our collab and you suggested it as a good reptile for uh, tarantula keepers. Mm -hmm. And I've really been considering adding one since then just because they they are fascinating. Um, But you're you're breeding them. You have them in your collection. If you move to the U.S., can you bring your reptiles with you or do you have to like sell them all off and then buy new ones when you get to the U.S.? Have you looked Um, into that at all? Well, so... 
Yes, I can bring some. There are some, like my Burmese pythons, I can't bring because it's illegal to bring Burmese pythons into the country of the United States. Uh, There's certain ones that I can and cannot. I'm pretty sure my spotted python has to stay behind because of the CITES restriction on it. But I have to talk to somebody about it. Hognose snakes, as far as I'm aware, I'm pretty sure can travel to and fro across the border pretty easily just with like the regular inspection and going through the right channels. So I'm definitely gonna be able to bring my hognose snakes. I'm pretty sure, but there are certain ones. Like if I can't bring diamond, my bearded dragon like that, it's not a (laughs) deal breaker, but it's like, I would miss that guy. I would have to find the perfect home for him, Um, but I'm going to be able to bring most of what I have. Yeah. I would, I would think what, what, what is he again? Diamond's a bearded dragon. Bearded dragon, yeah. I mean, yeah, which is an Australian animal, so there is a CITES thing, but you mm. can bring them in from Germany. So I don't, I don't really know. Yeah, I have I mean, to talk to someone more knowledgeable. The local pet shops, I would yeah. think you, it would be an issue if they have them in mass at the shops. But yeah, yeah it's, so, those laws are weird. Like, there's, I have some species of tarantula. Like, I couldn't leave the state with them, which is kind of because uh, like, now they're endangered. Like, they weren't when I got them as spiderlings, but they've been moved to an endangered species list and. Technically, uh, I'm not sure if it's CITES or Lacey Act, but I can't move them across state lines. So it's like I'm stuck here until they die or I have to, you know, give them to somebody else, which is always hard. are like that too. You can't bring Burmese pythons across state lines. I'm pretty sure now. I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure I heard that. Um, but yeah, it's weird how yeah. like the U.S. is very much like, it's kind of like that in Canada too, but it's like city to city, like bylaws. And the way we do it here is like a few years ago, someone had all their monocle cobras stolen. Um, which were legal at the time. And then because it made the news, they like, now there's a new bylaw immediately. So another, another city, there was an alligator that got loose and a car (laughs) hit it. So now, you know, alligators are legal, which they always were by the way, but then they just cracked down (laughs) on a bunch of other things. So yeah, yeah, I'm just trying to like, I keep it low key. My neighbors don't know what I do. I don't want to like bring my big Burmese Python out and have the SPCA called. And then I ruin it for everybody. Cause then the city is like, Oh, you know, it's scared of neighbors. So yeah, you just got to be here. It's like very touchy. The cities just kind of do things without like on a whim kind of thing. Yeah, that's what, one of the things I like about West Virginia. It's a very much live and let live state, like mind your own business. Sometimes that's a bad thing. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like sometimes Texas stuff's like going that too, on right? that, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like when my neighbor's doing something stupid, it's like, well, he's on his own property. I'm, you know, as long as he's not going to be burning down my house, Set off as many fireworks as you want in your backyard. In my opinion, that's how life should be. Why do you care what I'm doing? It's none of your business what I have or don't have as long as I'm not hurting an animal or a person or a kid or whatever, right? But yeah. uh, here, it's not It's not like that at all. Actually, uh, in, in Canada, if you have a gun license, you forfeit um, privacy. So the RCMP runs a background check on you every day. So I have a background check on me today, yesterday, the day before. My birthday, Jeez. Jesus' birthday, every day I get a background check. And uh, if the RCMP suspects me of a crime, they can walk in my house on 24 hours notice. So I forfeit my privacy in order to have a, mm. a gun license, which is silly. And then you move to, you look at places like Texas and it's like, yeah, no, that's fine. You, you get a monkey. Cool. What, what color is it? Cause I don't need to go in and check it out. Like I just, I'm curious. So yeah. that is another driving force for me to move to a place like that. Cause you know, it's like a, you know, do a, be a good person, but it's none of my business what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, even some states, it's different state by state. Like you go to New York or California, it's going to be a, you know, it's going to be a pain to, to purchase a gun. But uh, you know, I, I grew up down um, like right on, and still in West Virginia, but on the border with Kentucky. And my dad would take me to, they called them like swap meets, <laughs> like gun shows, essentially in a parking lot, a bunch of guys with folding tables and a whole bunch of rifles and pistols. And you just gave them cash. They gave you the gun, no background check, no registration, nothing. 
And, uh, you know, people are, they get really upset about that. It's like, I understand, especially if you're in California or, you know, Chicago or something where gun violence is a, is a real issue. But, you know, a lot of these guys are shooting coyotes on their property or hunting deer, you know, like, you know, just wanting to protect their families. So, you know, they, they don't want to register with the government and well, get a background in Canada, check and all that. Well, because that, that's the thing, right? Is like the whole, my whole thing with reptiles is um, when I talked about the Florida thing is that if registration leads to confiscation, and if you think that I'm lying about that, just look at what Canada did with guns last May, right? If mm. you registered, you have ARs, they're gone. Um, they know who you are. They're coming for them. They're illegal now. But with uh in it's funny too because like in bc british columbia northern british columbia i went there for a wedding a few years back there's a city and then around it is if you look out on google maps it looks like you're in the middle of narnia there is nothing there so yeah. and it's so spread out so if you go hunting for deer or elk um the smart thing to do in the u.s is you would bring a really big revolver or like a big like a, a big caliber uh sidearm just in case right because right. in canada you're only allowed to have a certain amount of rounds in your gun so if you know you shoot two you miss or you need a, another one the easy thing is to have a sidearm in canada illegal doesn't matter if you're on your own property you cannot have a handgun period the only way that you're allowed to have that it has to be locked up or you can bring it to a range or a gunsmith but you have to call the sheriff first to let them know that you're leaving your house with it so it's wow. like people talk about common sense but common sense to me is if there's grizzlies which there are in british columbia yeah. and when i say grizzlies when you stand next to one of these things you you don't even real like how is this on this planet if you see a grizzly or a moose <laughs> in real life they look like yeah. the creatures from narnia and oh, uh, no. so it's just very silly. You're very prone and it's our government that's like, well, it's unsafe for you to go in the middle of the woods with this thing that might save your life. And we've yeah. seen it where people get eaten by bears because they just ran out of arrows or ran out of, you know, what they're allowed to do by law. I lived up in uh, Kodiak, Alaska for a little bit, like for like five or six months. And so you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like we went to go look at grizzly bears at the dump because <laughs> I was like, I've been here for two months. I have yet to see a Kodiak bear. And they're like, Oh, you want to see it? Like we'll show you like five or six of them this afternoon. Come on. <laughs> and when you look at them, things. you can't even believe what you're seeing, right? Like, yeah, it's, it's not like a black bear. Like you see a black bear. <laughs> you're like, Oh, that thing looks scary. And then you see, I saw a grizzly on the side of the road and in, in Jasper one time. And uh, man, that was like, I couldn't even believe, or the first time I saw a moose in Timmins, Ontario, I couldn't even believe what I was looking at. I knew they were big, but you don't realize how big they are until your cars are, and you realize why a semi is going to hit this thing and like the beer, the moose is going to make a giant dent. Like you think that you'd go through this thing with a tractor trailer. They'll destroy yeah. your tractor trailer because these things are like they're boulders with fur yeah. and antlers. <laughs> they're massive. Man, animals are insane. Well. And it's like you you see them on TV and you don't really get an appreciation for them. And that's why when people watch Tiger King, and you don't, and then you go to a zoo and you see a real tiger, and then you're like, oh, he had a, hundreds of these. Like you don't realize what formidable animals they are until you actually go and see one. So I don't know, animals to me, not just reptiles or inverts or whatever, are incredible. And I think that when people see them in real life, they get like this appreciation that they would never get otherwise. Uh, sometimes you, you know, grab your pants because you're standing next to one. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's why, like, you know, I don't advertise i mean i mean locally you know what i mean like i don't show my neighbors my basement i don't uh i don't really like uh my my friends or my kids friends coming down and seeing them i mean sometimes you know if it's if it's a, a good friend uh you know somebody he's known for years and we know their parents and everything's cool then yeah you know come down check out the tarantulas and the snakes and they get you know very fascinated by them and i like that but like the person that lives next door to me they don't know i have hundreds of tarantulas and scorpions in my basement and 
I don't make that public knowledge, you know, and it's, it's a little scary sometimes. Cause like, I know there's no regulations on them, but I also know that if enough people get upset and they could have, you know, create a city ordinance or, you know, I don't think they'll, they'll pass anything at a state level, but it's like, I just don't want that hassle. So I don't broadcast it, you know, just like I don't take my guns out on my front porch and clean them or anything, you know, it's like, that's, that's private. That's, that's mine. I, you know, and it's funny because I'm making YouTube videos about them, but mm -hmm. it's like, I don't, I, maybe like five people in town know that I even have a YouTube channel, you know? So it's not something I got to worry about. Uh, but it is when it comes to uh, like what we were talking about a little bit ago, like with species that are protected by CITES, you know, there's, there's some really cool tarantulas out there that I'd really like to have. Um, and, and many people do, they just kind of ignore the laws, you know, cause it's like, well, they're not being enforced regularly or heavily. So they'll go ahead and, and, and ship these tarantulas back and forth. They'll move across state lines with, you know, species of postalotheria that technically they're not allowed to, and they get away with it. And it's no problem. And people are like, Hey, you're, you're stressing out about nothing. And it's like, well, my situation's different than theirs. Like mm -hmm. I am publicly putting this stuff out there on YouTube. So fish and wildlife service, they watch my videos. They know what species of tarantulas I have. And then if they see in the video that I moved from West Virginia to Arizona and that same species that was in my basement in West Virginia is now in the basement in Arizona, I just gave them all of the proof they need to send me a $100,000 fine or lock me up for six months. So because I'm making YouTube videos, because you're making YouTube videos, we got to be a little bit more careful about, you know, making sure we're being a good example of following these laws, even if we don't agree with them. And kind of on that same thing, like, people oftentimes on forums and Facebook groups will kind of like come down on you for what you're doing. But if you really think about it, we are the guys who are most accountable with what we do in terms of um, not just the care of our animals, but what we keep, how we keep them and how we talk about them. Because the guys who are in their basements with their collection, there's no eyes on them, but there's eyes on my collection and your collection every week. Right. Yeah. So we are more accountable than everybody else. And I think that's why it's so important for us to do the right thing and don't take your tarantulas outside and show everybody. And well, and I had gotten, I didn't get in trouble, but I had uh, the SPCA come to my house. I, you know, lived a little bit farther away from where I am now. Uh, we yeah. just moved here last summer. And so there was someone who came to our house and, uh, you know, my ex girlfriend's friend at the time and saw all our reptiles because she showed her. And this person was a drama queen and she called the SPCA and they came and looked at my collection and saw there was nothing wrong. But that was something that it was like a stress thing, right? Like, what is someone going to see? Is this guy going to see something? Does he have a preconceived notion? He doesn't like snakes already. Is he going to take this to the city? So it is something mm -hmm. where because I had reptiles and people didn't know, I had to deal with the authorities. And this guy was yeah. cool. And he's like, man, you take great care of your animals. This is before I had a channel. But now here, I wonder what my neighbors think I do. Because <laughs> my truck doesn't leave for a week at a time. My girlfriend is a veterinary technician, so she leaves every morning. And then here I am with the nice truck and the nice new lawnmower. And it's like, what is this guy? <laughs> is it like, is she making the money or like, what's this guy do? But I don't want to, I tell everybody I'm a video editor because I don't want them to be like, oh, yeah. what do you have? And then all of a sudden the SPCA comes again and rooting around and you get the wrong guy and he doesn't like, you know what I mean? So it's yeah. same, along the same lines of what you're saying is like, what I have is my business and the business of 102,000 people who watch me on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to start using that line. I'm a video editor. 
I just yeah, tell people I, I work from home. <laughs> but I tell everybody. I tell everybody I'm but, a video editor. What kind of videos do you edit? Oh, mostly animal stuff and stuff. Anything I've seen? I don't know. Maybe. Like, I don't <laughs> really get into it. Even yesterday, yeah. like, uh, what are you getting your COVID shot for? Is it uh, work or health? It's health, 100%. It's not because I need to leave and go across the border and the only way I'm going to be allowed how is if I have this thing. It's because of health. I'm very concerned uh, as yeah. I'm 30 years old with no health conditions that this thing is going to kill me. So that's why. For I just assume my uh, neighbors think I sell drugs and I'm really bad at it because I never have any customers. <laughs> I always wonder what these people, because I've talked to my neighbors, I'm friendly with them, right? Like, yeah. hey man, I ran out of gas for my snowblower. Like I'll give them gas, that type of thing. And, but yeah, very rarely do they ever talk about, you know, because they're all retired. Everyone I live around is retired. So they don't really take yeah. uh, interest, which is nice. It's very nice. But I wonder yeah. all the time, what do people think I do on the street? Because, you know, I don't look like a drug dealer, yeah. I don't think. But I don't know what's a drug yeah. dealer look like, I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, my street, like, I know the neighbors. Like, I wave to them and say hi. But we don't get in each other's business, even though it's, you know, it's a little dead-end street that I'm on. Like, uh, the guy next door to me over here, I, he works nights. But that's, and he plays a lot of video games. That's all I know. <laughs> you know I, don't, I don't even know his name. And he's been my neighbor for years. The nice uh, thing around gonna... here too is it's like a lot of students. Like I grew up, mm. it's funny, like I live in this house now and across mm. the street two houses down is the house I grew up in. I lived there for 21 years. So I know the neighborhood very wow. well. People don't know I'm the same kid that delivered their paper 20 years ago and I don't tell them that. But uh, yeah, it's like a lot of students here, like tons because the university is right up the hill. And uh, yeah, so they don't ask questions because they're only here for a few months a year. They're not trying to get to know you. It's not like, you know, since we're going to be living, it's like, I'm here for a little bit. I don't really care. I'll wave to you. And also this, I don't know what it's like in West Virginia, but here it's not super friendly. Like you don't say hello when you walk by people. It's just very, everyone's like, you know, on their own type thing. Yeah. And th I, that's not a U.S. thing. I, I know it's because I grew up here in West Virginia and it was like, if you walk by somebody, and you didn't smile and say hi, or at least give them a head nod. You were a rude asshole, you know? And then it's like, I moved to Florida and I'm like waving and saying hi to people as I pass them on the street. And they're like, that dude's insane. Like, why? I don't know him. Why are you saying hi to me? And it's like, I was being polite. I thought that's what we did. So it's definitely uh, at least something here in West Virginia, but it's like, I don't talk to my neighbors. I don't know them on a personal level, but I know that if I needed help or they needed help, you'd be there. Like, that's kind of like the, un like mind your own business. But if somebody asks for help, then you better be there because if tables are turned, they'd be there for you. So yeah. that's one thing I really like about this area. I don't think it's like a, like a country versus country. Cause here, like I live close enough to Toronto where it's like big city, I guess. Right. But uh, my mm -hmm. dad grew up in Nova Scotia. So he, when he moved here, he's like, why is everyone such a dick? Like you there, you say hello to everybody. You know, like when I go out West to go visit, my best friend lives in uh, Edmonton. You go out there, everybody knows each other. And his name is Richard too. Hey Richard, what's up? Like you just talk to each other, but here yeah. it's not like that. And the thing that I really love about Texas and when I watch all these videos, what's it like to live in Houston is the, there's a guy and his whole channel is about like, you know, I used to live here, here, here. The reason I settled in Houston is here. And the one point he drives home is, Everybody says hello. Every, if you need a cup of sugar, it's like the 40s. Like you can go and borrow it at your neighbor's house. Everyone knows, you know, like, oh, I, I saw that your kids didn't, is everything okay? Where here, it's not like that at all. So I would love a community like that. And that's kind of like another thing about Texas that I've never, you know, I don't actually know, but it seems like everyone there kind of says like there's a sense of community that this is lacking. Like just where I live here, like this area of Canada. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, and it, it, I know that my neighbor's, they're, they're not going to call the, you know, ASPCA or, or what, you know, the authorities on me, 
more than likely, but I just, I just, I just want to keep that part of my life kind of private. And it sucks because like uh, air conditioning went out, like the, the the unit outside, you know, the air conditioning unit that hooks up to the heat pump or the, uh, you know what I'm talking about. It, it just yeah. died. It was old. So I had to have a repairman come out and he has to go through the basement to, you know, from like the, where, where he's looking at the central air, like the, the heat pump and then go th- walk, pretty much walk through my collection to go out the other back door to check out the AC unit. And he's like, what is in all these enclosures? So, you know, I showed him, I talked to him, he ended up spending like 20 minutes and just kind of like asking questions. I mean, like, you know, he was kind of fascinated. He was scared of terrain, like scared of spiders, but being in the enclosure and, and me just kind of talking to him, he seemed to develop some interest. And then he was like, I can't fix it. I'm going to have to send a salesman out so we can get you, you know, a, a different unit to replace it. So then the same thing with the salesman, he comes to us like, what in the world is in your basement? What are all these enclosures? And I was like almost nervous, like showing these guys. It's like, you know, I, I don't know you and I don't, you know, I know I'm completely within the laws, but I also know that it's a small town and you're going to start telling people and the gossip, you know, rumors will start, you know, flying around. And before I know it, I'm going to have some inspector from the city coming by. I wanted to, you know, make sure I have some kind of weird, uh, like permit or something for keeping live animals. It's, 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 a uh, it's frustrating. I have, I have the exact same setup. My furnace my furnace room is in my reptile room. So if anyone yeah. has to come here for air conditioning furnace, or even like we had a, uh, we're getting a gas fireplace put in where our wood burning one is, but the trap for where all the ash would go is in the furnace room. So every first thing I say, like, well, which room is it? This one, are you afraid of snakes? Cause there's a hundred snakes in there and you always get like, oh, okay. And then they open <laughs> it and you look at their face like, Oh my God, like what is going on? And everybody's been super cool. I had like this kid, he looked like Aaron Carter. I forget his name. He looked like it was in a boy band. He walked yeah. in there and I thought for sure he was going to, he's like, man, what's this? Can I take one out? And it, I've never had a bad experience with it, but there might be that time you get that guy who's like, oh, I, oh, the only good snake is a dead snake. And then, yeah, it just, you never ends well in that case, but same exact yeah. setup as you, man. Everyone ha- who services my house has to see the collection because the furnace is in that room. There's no way to get around it. Yeah. And it's, I mean, so far it's, I've had no issues, but I just kind of keep that mindset of like, uh, like real, real gangsters don't have to tell you they're a gangster. You know, yep. <laughs> it's like real tarantula and snake keepers don't need to broadcast that to everybody they come across and, and be like, mm-hmm. Hey, look what I'm doing down here in my basement. It's like, no, yeah, that's my uh, business. Like I'll put it on not YouTube. One of those guys but. that talks about my collection unless you ask about it. Like I try to hide the fact that I'm a YouTuber as a profession. Like I don't. But you see other people and they're like super, and it's cool, right? Because I think at the at the same time it is good if you have reptiles and you talk about it a lot because it piques people's interest. Mm-hmm. But um, most people don't have hundreds of thousands of people like us watching them. They're not on display, so you can say, "Oh, I've got three king snakes at home," and no one will ever see them. The only person that knows about it is the person you're talking to. Where mm-hmm. if I say it to you right now, well, all your viewers and all your listeners hear it too. So it's just a different thing. And like, by no means are we like famous or anything, but at the yeah. same time, there is a tiny little spotlight on us, and it is a little bit different for people on the internet than it is in conversation. Yeah. I mean, it's not just a spotlight. It's like documentation. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. they have video proof that you have this species in this location. So I've got two fans in town. One, and each one works at a different pet shop. So it's like, oh, yeah. I like walked into a pet shop one day to get some crickets. And there was this girl there. I was like, you're that guy. And I'm like, are you talking about me? Like what guy? She's like, I watched your videos last night about tarantulas. I have a tarantula. And I'm like, oh, she's like, I can't believe you live here. I'm like, yep, <laughs> that's me. 
my you know, but, Python that I bought, the guy I showed up at his house and he kind of like, he looked like he saw a ghost and it's like, you know, I'm just some jerk off with a camera, right? Like, you know, I'm not like some <laughs> famous guy. He's like, I can't even, I can't even believe I'm talking to you. And it's funny because this kid was like 15 and he's towering yeah. over me. And I feel like this little kid, he's like, <laughs> he's looking up to me, but like breaking his neck, looking down. So, and the, the reptile shop here, Niagara Exotics. I love this place. If you're in Niagara, this is the place to go. And uh, they play my videos on their TV in the shop. And it's cool. Nice. Like sometimes I'll walk in there and I'll see myself and people will turn around and be like, that's you're on the TV. <laughs> like, so yeah, it's very cool. The community here is awesome in the region that I live. Uh, the community is really cool. And uh, yeah, people, you know, it's fun because like I have a platform. So yeah, it, it is, there is a feel good feeling about like walking into the pet shop and you're the guy. Like, I'm not going to lie. It is a pretty cool feeling that people know who you are. Yeah. That must be cool. Like, I'm not the guy. Just this one, this one young lady. I'm the guy, <laughs> but nobody else <laughs> well, that she works with time, could man. care less. <laughs> yeah, give it some time. Well, especially going to expos like that's well because we're in kind of the same boat. Like our channels really didn't take off above like a certain level until COVID. So I don't know what things are like there, but we haven't had a reptile expo since February 2020. And at that mm -hmm. time, I was very tiny little channel. A few people would come up to me, "Hey, man, I love your work." But then now I look forward to like. Speaking like going up to because I love being on a stage, right? Like I'm a stand up comedian. I used to be a bodybuilder. Like that's kind of like what I like to do. So to have the opportunity to go to an expo and speak to people where you have all these people who love the same thing that you love and you have the opportunity to share your passion with them. And maybe some kid brought his mom and his mom's not sure. And then now she's listening to somebody on stage talk about it with that passion. So that is why I do this. And that is what I can't mm -hmm. wait for. I can't wait for stuff to open up. And that way I can use the platform that I've created to make people feel more comfortable with snakes. And the best place to do that is at an expo where you're talking to them live and they can come and be like, Hey, I had a question about something you said. So I don't know how yeah. I got started on this, but like, <laughs> I'm so passionate. I cannot wait for that, that to be brought back. Yeah. I think the last expo I went to was, um, the October of 2019. Uh, and it was the first, I think I, I had, I was just crossing 10,000 subscribers as I was driving out to Chicago for that expo. And it was, so it was like, uh, it was, it was kind of a cool milestone. Like, yeah, I just crossed 10 K and I'm at the, you know, North America's largest reptile expo. And it was the first time people were like asked for my autograph or <laughs> acted like they were nervous when they met me at the booth and were shaking my hands. Cause I kind of got, uh, uh, one of the tarantula dealers, fear not tarantulas, like paid for my ticket to get in and stuff. So I, I and like gave me a little corner of their booth to put up some t-shirts and hang out. So it was, uh, it was kind of cool. Uh, but I haven't, I haven't been out since then, you know, I haven't been to a reptile expo at all. And that's like, this is my preferred interaction with people like making videos and maybe responding to some comments or something in person. I, I, I have a very short social battery. You know, it's like after an hour of talking with people, it's like, all right, I got to go and, uh, hang out by myself for a while. <laughs> Man, it's no too matter much interaction. Are, it's exhausting to, and not like in a bad way. It's just like um, to do it behind a camera and behind a, it's just, it's easier. It's less uh, intimidating. And even if like you're someone like me who wants to make a living as a stand up comic where after the show you have to talk to people and stuff like that, it is exhausting to to talk in like and interact with people. So I don't know. The people that it looks a lot easier than it actually is. But yeah. I can't wait to to go to those things and be able to talk to people because I really enjoy that. I love walking off stage at a call. Hey, man, I love this joke. What do you think about this? I want to be a stand up and to have that with 
uh, reptiles. Hey man, I, I want to get my first thing. And you know, like, what do you, what should I look for? And to be able to like speak face to face to like a kid, or even if it's like a 45, 50 year old man who just, you know, saw a YouTube video and sparked his interest. And now his whole life, he was afraid. And now he's not like those. That's what I live for that. I can't mm-hmm. wait to have that opportunity to talk to those people in person again and like shake someone's hand. And I want to know what you smell like. And I want like the whole immersive, <laughs> you know, interaction. I remember Cusco said that to me. He's like, man, I, I love the, you know, doing the podcast with you, but I really wish I knew what you smelled like. And at first I thought it was weird. And then I'm like, I get it. Yeah. Like, I want to know, like, I want to be in the same room with, with people it's like a different. I don't know. I like meeting new people. I like shaking hands and I'm really excited for that to come back. Yeah. I have no desire to know what you smell like. I will tell you. That <laughs> uh, but I'll tell you what I smell like. I smell like Palo Santo. <laughs> oh. that, that wood. <laughs> Yeah, it smells yeah. like sandalwood in here. It's the beer. Yeah. yeah. I yeah, don't my wife smell got like me a shampoo. Bunch of that. I, I can tell you that. I definitely don't have a shampoo <laughs> smell about me, but uh, yeah. Right. I would imagine. It's, I mean, I love it. I, I can't wait. And to, to meet other people too and like meet, because um, talking on the internet is one thing, right? Like this is mm-hmm. awesome. I love having interactions with uh, you and being on other podcasts and talking just in forums and stuff. And sometimes if I want to talk about reptiles, like I joined uh, a different Discord. I'm not going to say which one it is. And I changed my name on Discord and I just talked to people like, you don't know who I am because you might have a preconceived thing. I saw, I like him, I mm-hmm. don't like him, whatever. And it's fun just to talk to people about reptiles, but to do it in yeah. person is like a different thing. It's like a different animal and uh, something that I enjoy and uh, it'll come back sooner than later, man. Like I'm vaxxed up, baby. Yeah. Let me in. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. That's This summer is like we're going to Virginia Beach doing like a, my first Tarantula Collective meetup. A bunch of people can come. We're going to do it at the Fear Not Tarantulas brick and mortar store. And that's mainly because I'm just really excited to go to a, a pet shop that just sells tarantulas and inverts. Like That's just a personal thing I want to do. Uh, but since I know a lot of people are going there anyways, it's July 4th weekend. It's like, well, just let's just have a little party there. <laughs> just kind of hang out and get to know each other. That's uh, wicked. Yeah, because your but, state is pretty open, right? Like you can, you can obviously do stuff like that. Yeah, especially here in West Virginia. I think I think there's still like a mask mandate if you're going out in public, but yeah, everything's open. I mean, I can like like here in about an hour I'm going to get my beard trimmed. I'm very stoked about that. But what I, I one thing I will never, you know, to what you were saying, I sometimes I get overwhelmed talking to like other adults or just don't understand like dude, I'm just some jerk in my basement making videos about like don't get excited. But little kids, like that is exciting. Like I really I really like talking to, you know, like young kids and teenagers and stuff, people that are just like, just really excited and passionate. And I know that they only know me through YouTube and they really want to get, you know, a cool tarantula or something. And, and like, I don't know, there's just that I can relate to and get really excited talking to, to people that, you know, just some like random 10 year old that comes up with his dad at, a, at the reptile expo. And he's like, Hey, he's your biggest fan. It's like, well, here, take a t-shirt, some stickers and, you know, just try and like feed that, that passion that's in them. Cause I wish I had gotten into tarantulas at that age. So I think it's very cool when I see somebody young getting into spiders and I want to motivate them as, as, as much as I can. I think it's like a twofold thing. Cause it feels good. My face hurts from smiling when I talk to a kid about <laughs> snakes, if I meet them at yeah. somewhere, right. Where they recognize like at our expo or whatever, but also like you're, you might be changing the world in a tiny little way because I I'm okay at talking to a camera and I have reptiles. So I'm good enough to make uh, this like channel on YouTube. But what yeah. if I talk to a kid and make him obsessed with snakes and that kid has the drive to go to school and maybe he finds a new species 
And it all comes back to meeting some jerk off behind a camera who convinced him that snakes were cool in the first place. And the reason that I'm doing this is because Mr. and Mrs. Corvino in my kindergarten class brought in those snakes. And if it wasn't for that moment, I would never got into reptiles in the first place. So you can really change someone's entire outlook on animals from a young age, from one conversation or one show or one meetup or whatever. It's, it's amazing how much you can change that person's world just by talking to them. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the, poss- the, the chance of my legacy having anything to do with a video I made on YouTube is slim to none, <laughs> but hopefully my legacy will be that my videos somehow inspired somebody that mm-hmm. you know, kind of took up that mantle and really helped kind of bring like normalize uh, tarantulas and inverts as pets or just even just became a scientist that studied them and really helped in the conservation or, you know, find a new species or something like that's a legacy I, I would be happy to leave behind. Yeah, even something as maybe that that kid that you talked to didn't grow up and become like you know the next uh, Darwin or you know David Attenborough or whatever. But maybe he grew up and he ha- he for a living does something that he loves. He studies spiders or snakes, or in my case, or whatever. And uh, otherwise, he would have been you know working a dead end job that he didn't like. So maybe now he has this avenue and he found his passion early. Where there's a lot of adults. Like how many kids do you know when you were graduating high school didn't know what they want to be when they grow up? So. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you inspired some kid to know what he wants to be when he grows up immediately. Yeah. I mean, I, I was told to go to college, even though I had no idea what major I wanted. <laughs> it was like, yeah. I got a music scholarship, but it's like, I don't want to be a band teacher. And I know I'm not going to be a musician because that doesn't pay. You know, there's, there's not a lot of uh, people making money playing French horn, <laughs> at least here in the States. <laughs> So I, I knew that wasn't a bug. So I get yeah. it. I get it. There's no money. Yeah, there's no, uh, unless you, I want to be the next Squidward, but besides that, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, man, the best but, thing I ever did was uh, I would never tell a kid not to go to college, but if you don't know, figure it out first. Don't just go because yeah. mommy and daddy told you to. The best thing I ever did was not go to college, but that was right for me. My sister did go to university and it worked out for her. So it's just kind of like, you know, whatever your path is, you have your own path and don't, uh, you know, if you're, if you're a fish, don't be forced to climb a tree, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I am also a college dropout and it, eventually it worked out for my sister. She went to college, got her degree is working in her field, but it's like, I got a couple of years in and was like, I don't want to, I like the college lifestyle. <laughs> I like living in the dorms and partying and hanging out with girls and stuff, but I, I, I just didn't know what I wanted to be. So I'm studying philosophy and sociology and psychology and oh, business so ethics philosophers now yeah you can't go wrong with philosophy yeah. yeah 80 grand and you can't get a job when you're done yeah that's that's a great lifestyle yeah yeah, yeah. that's kind of what it came it. to it's like all my credits were sociology and philosophy and a little bit of psychology and they're like well you need to like you got to declare a major now so it's like before i could you know move forward in the college and it's like well i want to do philosophy but yeah there's there's no job for philosophers so how about yeah, I take well, a few years off and figure it out? And then I just, you had a time back. machine though. You'd be in ship shape, you know, like a lot of philosopher jobs back in the day, but yeah, yeah none right <laughs> I got the college lifestyle cause I lived in a college town, but I didn't have to pay tuition cause I didn't actually go to school. So I would drink at the bars. I would drink at Brock university with my friends who went, but, uh, then I would just walk down the hill and go home cause I lived there. Right. And I didn't have to take any yeah. classes or anything <laughs> like that. So that is how I would recommend yeah. the college lifestyle. But, uh, yeah, I'm not, I don't, to be clear, I don't think college is a waste of your time or money just for some people. And for me, it would have been. I would have amassed all this debt. And uh, I, w- I applied to go for culinary. Like, I 
I get skipped the dishes three nights a week. Like, wh- what am I going to do with a you know culinary thing, right? So I have no passion mm-hmm. for that. But that's just kind of like you have to pick something. And I'm glad I never got accepted into it because I didn't send my transcript or whatever stupid thing it was that yeah. I didn't get accepted for. I mean, I just paid off my my student loans <laughs> like this past year, and you know, and from two years of college, like that's that was not a good deal. But I do use like everything I learned in sociology. I find that I use a lot. Uh, at least doing like YouTube and Instagram, like just kind of having that macro view of, you know, just different countries and cultures and, and, and how, you know, just a lot of the analytical data you get from YouTube and Instagram, as far as like when to post and what to post and stuff like that, all was very reminiscent to what I was learning in sociology and like how the psychology of large groups of people and trying to find out how to hone in on that. So go. even though you didn't get the piece of paper that says you know stuff, you know enough to actually better yourself in your career now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you kind of like, money, um, but you didn't get the silver play button, to, so to speak, right? Like, exactly. <laughs> you didn't get the proof that you learned, but you actually did learn. It's very interesting. Yeah. You still had to pay all the money too. <laughs> yeah, I paid the money, learned, but uh, yeah, I don't get any of the recognition, or I can't say I have a college degree. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. You're going to get that silver play button soon anyway, and it's way more trendy to have that than a diploma. So you're all good. Yeah. And my wife is on me all the time. She's like, just go get your regents degree. Just go back for a few years and finish it just so you can say you have a college degree. And I'm like, at no point in my life has I, have I needed it. You know, like every job I've had, I've made good money, but that wasn't a requirement. And I can just lie. I'll just say, hey, I, I graduated from this college. How many of places even really check that out anymore? <laughs> Yeah, and what but, place yeah. are you going to say that to where they're like, oh, can I see the piece of paper that came along with it, please, sir? Like, no one yeah. would be like, oh, that's cool. You know, like yeah, if I was going to be like a lawyer or a doctor, then yeah, I would I would need that piece of paper. But yeah, here being a doctor, you actually <laughs> need like proof of that before you're allowed to operate on people. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, right. But if I'm just going to be like filming and editing a commercial for somebody, they're not going to care if I if I went to a community college or Harvard, like. What they care about is the work that I, I present them at the end and what they have to pay for it. And at the end of the day, man, like people always rely on, and I saw this all the time back in bodybuilding where it was like these personal trainers fighting for your business. Well, I got this and I got this on the wall and I got this on the wall. And then I look at you and I'm like, but I don't want to look like you. I want to look like this guy who never went to school. So if you can't do it to yourself, you can't do it to me. And even though this guy doesn't have the paper on the wall to say that he's a kinesiologist and diet and all this other crap, Mm -hmm. he looks like that and he knows how to do it to himself. So he knows how to do it to me. So it's a lot of your body of work, in my opinion, is more important than the flashy piece of paper that you paid 80 grand for on your wall. Yeah. And one thing that I uh, I used I utilized a lot just from sociology and, and was I would look at my analytics and I would see that most of the people that are following me are males between like 25 and 45, kind of like my, you know, people like me is essentially who enjoys my content. So it's, it's like I wear a Pearl Jam shirt and then get a whole bunch of people leaving comments or like one video I wore a nine inch nails shirt. It's like old band shirts I'm pulling out of my drawers that I haven't worn in years, you know, or I'm just replacing ones that my wife made me throw out because they were so stained and covered in holes. And it's like, I get a lot of comments and, and positive response. Like, like you wearing a letter Kenny shirt. Like, I think I wore a letter Kenny shirt once. It's like, yeah. it has nothing to do with anything that I'm making videos about, but I know I can see what my audience is and be like, well, what else are they into? What else could we connect with or relate on another level? And it's, you know, you so can, just something as, as a shirt. Well, you relate to something that isn't with your channel. And the thing is with what we do is limited. There's only a certain amount of like, you know, reptile keepers or whatever. And most people like you and I, our life to a certain extent 
is reptiles or infi- or uh, not amphibians, inverts in your case, because that's what we do for you know a living to some yeah. extent. But a lot of people, it's just kind of like another thing that they do. So if I wear a Letterkenny shirt, oh, that's my favorite show. I just binged it. Or what I do in my videos is I'll throw drops in. So like I listen to your mom's house podcast. These are two of the funniest <laughs> people, the funniest couple of all time. And I'll throw those yeah. in. And people who don't watch won't get it and it'll just fly over like, ah, whatever. But then sometimes you'll put something that is deeply inappropriate in context, but because it's out of context, you can throw in a video. It's still safe for kids because they don't know what it is. But someone who watches the podcast will have a laughing attack because they get it. (laughs) They understand and they comment. And I get a lot of people who are like, bro, I hit subscribe because of that Robert Paul champagne thing that you put in from your mom's house or that two bears yeah bird is fat you know bird fucks dogs whatever like i'll get comments <laughs> from the show that everyone else is like what is this guy even talking about but they'll hit subscribe because i'm part of like i'm a mommy i'm like part of that crew of this other niche you know so yeah. it really helps same thing with the band shirts i got made fun of for wearing a blink 182 shirt which apparently makes me old by the way <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> somebody made that comment like you're really showing your age wearing a nine inch nail shirt i'm like what they're not and cool anymore <laughs> it makes me feel old too because like i love nine inch nails in high school <laughs> like yeah and they were well i guess they were kind of old then they came out like yeah man i i remember dude. in sixth grade we had a substitute teacher and me and my friend were reading a hit parader do you remember that magazine mm-hmm. it wasn't so much a magazine as it was i mean it was a magazine but it didn't really have a lot of articles it was mainly just pictures of rock stars in concert you know it was just mm-hmm. a lot of pictures and we were like going through it and probably would have gotten in trouble you know like we were only looking at this magazine because we had a substitute teacher we didn't think she'd do anything and she was a younger you know kind of attractive you know for a teacher and she came up to us and was like is that trent Reznor?" and we both like first froze because we were like oh shit we're in trouble we just got busted looking at this magazine in class but then we we're like wait how the hell do you know who trent Reznor is and it's like you think nine inch nails is cool like that is awesome you're the coolest teacher i've ever met <laughs> and then well, especially when you're like a kid in school you think your teachers are old and their lives are over and like a lot of the times <laughs> they just turn out to be like cool people who chose to do this because they like teaching people right which just kind of to a certain yeah. extent what you and i do we, we teach people about stuff and we're not old and not relevant anymore right yeah i i mean it's coming back my wife does a lot of like her job a lot she does a lot of presentations in schools and stuff. And she was, she came home the other day and was like, there were three kids at the high school wearing pixie shirts and some like safe fairs and blink One Eighty Two and green day shirts. And I'm like, no way. Like that music's coming back. And she's like, I don't know if the music's coming back, but it's like kind of like wearing uh, Led Zeppelin and Jimi Hendrix shirts when we were in high school. <laughs> it's but like, it's, it's just uh, cool. Yeah. Miley Cyrus got in trouble for wearing a Metallica shirt and she couldn't name a Metallica song. I remember that was like a big thing. And it's like, Oh yeah. Which is so dumb. Who cares? Like, first of all, you should listen to Metallica. It's a great band. But if you don't know, they're like, who cares? It's like a trendy thing. Or like ACDC, I used to wear Aerosmith shirts, which my mom got at concerts in the 70s, but I actually listened to Aerosmith. I'd wear those to high school and stuff. But yeah, it's just mm-hmm. trendy to like, and what is the band? Uh, there's like a big designer clothing company. I don't wear designer clothes, whatever it was. And they they paid for the licensing. So to wear these Metallica shirts, it was like $900 for the shirt because it was like, Louis Vuitton. I don't know what it was like a designer. It's like, you know that you could get those for $5, you know, at the kiosk in the mall. (laughs) It didn't so silly, but yeah, yeah, kids, uh, everything comes back except for bell bottoms. Thank God. Those are so ugly. I knew that that there was something weird going on when I went to Walmart and they were selling 
Misfits t-shirts. I was like, how in the hell did this happen? That was <laughs> trendy, man. In high school, all the <laughs> girls, like all the popular girls would wear, and I listened to the Misfits. I listened to Danzig and the whole thing. And uh, so I would wear it also. And then like all the popular girls with like their bleached hair and stuff. And it's like, you don't listen to the Misfits. There's no way you listen to Misfits. And, uh, but it was no like way. popular and trendy, right? There was no popular girls in my high school wearing Misfits. <laughs> like, yeah, this was uh, it's like 2006 or 2007. It's like, well, I think yeah. um, Guitar Hero came out. So that's oh, why, okay. right? Because yeah, Guitar Hero came sense. out and then like Danzig and you know all these other bands and Metallica. And I think they had a Slash was one of the players you could play. So Guns N' Roses became big again, or at least on the t-shirts. So yeah, yeah it was video games that brought it back, I guess. <laughs> See, when I was in high school, I wanted to be a Ramon. Like that was, especially like my junior and senior year, I was like, I'm Richard Ramon <laughs> with like where the tight Levi's and the black tight t-shirt with nothing on it at all. And black Chuck Taylors. And you know, I have red hair at the time. It was, it, I wasn't bald yet. I was a little <laughs> shaggy and I really wanted to dye my hair black and kind of grow it out over my eyes. Just, just totally rip off their style. My parents would not let me. And it, it turns out they, they were in the right because I went behind their back and dyed my hair black. And it was a horrible, <laughs> you should, you shouldn't be covered in freckles with pale skin and then dye your hair black. It does not look, especially with a red goatee. Like it just was, it was horrible. It was horrible. And I, I bought the semi-permanent hair dye cause I didn't know what I was doing. So I <laughs> fell asleep in class where, and woke up and my, I had all the hair dye all over my, all my arms and running down my face. I was like, this is terrible. Yeah. In high school, <laughs> was not the, as cool. uh, the emo sweep was like the thing, right? Like, so you had like the hair covering mm-hmm. one of your eyes, but not the other one. So I had the long black hair. I post pictures of it sometimes just to, be like, yo, that wasn't you because it doesn't look like. I mean, don't have any of that now. But, I think I yeah, saw I one like, of those. Yeah, everyone wanted to be like My Chemical Romance or like Fall Out Boy or like whatever, right? Those so those were the yeah. hairstyles. First, it was like the shag, and then it was like that thing. And yeah, uh, so anyway, if you're thinking about dyeing your hair every three <laughs> weeks through the the entirety of high school, you might go bald when you're in your twenties. That's a yeah. thing that might happen. Very true. <laughs> my, my mom used to say that all the time. She would be the one dyeing my hair for me. She because you're gonna do it anyway. I might as well like I dye my hair because I'm getting grays. You're dyeing yours because you're a dumb kid. And uh, she would say to me all the time. She's like, you shouldn't use these bleach kits. You're gonna go bald when you're 25. And turns out I went bald when I was 25. So you were right again, mom. You're always right. Uh, they always are. Yeah. My mom told me not to get my ears pierced because I would have holes in my ears my entire life. And I was like, that's crazy. I'll just pull them out. They'll grow over, and I still have holes in my ears. But also stretched them out. Yeah, me too. I, I always forget that I've got holes in my ears, but people remind me. I Because you look at yourself in the mirror, and also my face is a little bit rounder than it used to be, so when I look in the mirror, you can't see my earlobes anymore. But uh, yeah, people pointed out, it's like, oh, how come you never wear? It's like, they've been out for like 10 years. I forget that they're even there. But again, another thing yeah. that my mom said, you're going to have holes in your ears your whole life. And or, you know, my sister <laughs> got a lip pierce. You're going to have a hole in your lip your whole life. And sure enough, there you are, you know, 15 years later, you still have that hole in your lip. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Well, buddy, it's been, we're coming, we're well past two hours. Oh, wow. <laughs> we're, we're reminiscing and I got to get going, but it's been awesome talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on. Do you have uh, anything you want to plug that's coming out soon that you want to kind of let, let people be aware of? Um, so I would love to plug some stand updates if that wasn't illegal, but, uh, I will not be coming to a town near you. Um, but if you'd like to find more of Wiccans, Wicked Reptiles, Wiccans, Wicked Reptiles on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, the whole thing. And of course, YouTube, and, uh, please do hit subscribe. It really, uh, helps the channel. I'd appreciate it. It really does. It's, it's weird because I know one part of me knows that subscribers, it really doesn't mean much (laughs) as far as like what you get paid, but 
it definitely helps remind people that you, you know, got new content coming out. So it's definitely worth it to leave a comment and subscribe and all that stuff. Do you have any of your stand up on YouTube? Like if we've talked about it a lot, is there anywhere people can go and watch some of your stand up? Uh, yeah. So if you Google my name, Adam Wickens, you'll, I have another channel. It's like a hundred subscribers. I don't really, I only use it to like send into festivals and stuff. And yeah. then, uh, I do like drone photography for fun. So I've got a couple like short films I made with my drone on there, but you can find it. Disclaimer. It is not family friendly. I'm the family friendly guy on YouTube, but that content is, uh, it's pretty wild. So just be aware <laughs> before you go and click on it. Now I really want to go watch it. I'm going to do yeah, that. Yeah, you can find it. I have, I've had a couple of people on Discord. It's like, that joke about the deer eating your asshole, that's a fun... I like that one. And then everyone else is like, please don't say that on Discord. But yeah, it's, uh, yeah, you, you can go and watch it on uh, my other YouTube channel. They're Adam Wickens. Yeah. Sometimes it can be difficult being family friendly on YouTube. Uh, just because I know my mouth is very foul and my humor is very dark. And sometimes I'm like editing a video and it's like, yeah, I, I wouldn't want my niece here and like watching that on YouTube. So we'll cut that part out. Yeah. The, uh, the YouTube channel, uh, Wiccans with reptiles, I keep it family friendly, but, uh, if I'm doing a podcast and hear the host, you know, let a, a shit go, then yeah. Okay. It yeah. bombs away be yourself, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, otherwise family friendly is the best way to go and the algorithm likes it and subscribers like it and brands like it and everything else. So just easy. Yeah. Yeah. With a podcast, I, I definitely let the, the swearing fly, but I usually try to wait about 20 minutes in. Cause I'm like, I know, at least 90% of the people stop watching by then. So then we can cuss all we want. <laughs> it's no problem. Uh, but one, one, one I do get away with and some, a few people have called me out on it, but it was, it was a joke when I was in high school and I seen it on family guy and American dad and stuff like that. But it was, <laughs> she's being a real see you next Tuesday. And oh. <laughs> you know, I just always thought that was funny. And then when I was uploading every Tuesday, I was like trying to figure out, you know, for, it took me a few months to figure out what line I would use. And then one time I just said, and I will see you next Tuesday. And then I like was I thought it was funny, like myself. I was like, <laughs> I just I said, it. I thought it yeah. was funny. I saw that and I knew exactly what was going on. <laughs> and I thought it was. I'm like, that's pretty funny. That's that's hilarious. Yeah, and and it's it's not. I mean, maybe a lot pe more people see it than they. But I know my kid. He has no idea. He just thinks that's. I'm it, I'm just saying I'll see you next Tuesday when my next video will be out. And you know, it's kind of like a, a dirty joke in SpongeBob. Like not everybody gets it, but if you get it, you know. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's if you know, you it, know. Yeah. So I made a shirt that said, see you next Tuesday. <laughs> that sold pretty well. If you don't well. know, now you know. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you're wearing that shirt around. Somebody's going to tell you if you didn't, if you don't get the joke. <laughs> but yeah. All right, man. Well, I got to go to the barber. I'm sure you've got stuff to do. What's your next video going to be on? Uh, so my next video is out on Thursday. It is uh, my unpopular opinion about your favorite YouTubers. And I might Ooh. stir up some shit, chap some asses, but it's going to be a fun old time. And at the very end of the video, stick around to the end because I tear a strip off of somebody. It'll be fun. It's going to uh, go up on Patreon in about 10 minutes here. Okay. And this podcast comes out Thursday morning. So if you're listening to this podcast, you definitely have to go over to Adam or Wiccan's Wicked Reptiles uh, YouTube channel and watch that video because it sounds like it's going to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. What'd you say? 4.15 Eastern time. Oh, there you go. You know exactly when he's going to upload it. I, I, I struggle with that. I've been, usually I, I upload it at 10 or 11, but I've started uploading at three or four, just trying different time slots, trying to figure out what gets the best response. So for, are you always at 4.15 or is it just that it's what it happens to be? Uh, yeah, I was like six months in and then I'm like, I have to pick a time. I worked till five. So the video came out. I got home at like 5.15. So I had an hour to marinate and then that way mm -hmm. I could make corrections, reply to comments. So 415 nice. it works for me it's always stuck mondays and thursdays at 415 every week awesome well thank you so much for coming on man it's been a pleasure talking to you and i'm sure everybody enjoyed it 
And uh, hopefully everyone will go over and like, subscribe, comment, all that stuff, and uh, help promote his channel. Thanks, Thanks for having so me much, on, Richard. Man. I appreciate all right. it. Thanks, man. Okay. I'll talk to you soon. Goodbye, everybody.